2: That is the best wrestling in the whole world. Oh, shit! It's Vince Russo! Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold your horses there, uh, Mr. Nerd, is it? That's it. You want lucha libras, whatever you call them, go to Japan. The wrestling fans are racist,
0: Welcome everybody to You've Got To Be Kidding Me, episode number 9, covering February 2003 in TNA Wrestling. I'm Gareth Kidney, I'm
2: joined by my co-host Liam Jones. Liam, how are you doing? I love to be here and I love to be on time. I'm ready to go. Let's talk about total non-stop action, 2003, February probably? I don't know. We'll work it out. Vince Russo's here. Tony Schiavone's not here. Jeff Jarrett's doing some weird shit. What a show. I like how you threw yourself under the bus
0: by suggesting we're on time. No, we're on time. Steamrolled past it so that I couldn't (laughs) call you on it. (laughs) That was a strategy. It's called taking accountability but not taking punishment. I was actually not going to throw you under the bus for it. I was going to ignore it. But now that you brought it up, you might notice this is in the podcast feed a day late. Liam slept through our
2: recording time like a horrible human being. I'll have you know... I take no responsibility for this, by the way. I (laughs) set an alarm. If I set an alarm, that's me with intent, okay? Uh And my alarm just didn't go off or something, because I slept through it, and I finished up watching NWATNA episode 34? Was that the last one? Sure. Whatever it was. I'm scrolling down to clarify. Yes! Episode 34. I was like, wow, what a perfect episode. I just, I'm so ecstatic, can't wait to talk about it, I'm gonna go, I have an hour before the show starts, I'm gonna go take a nap, so I'm all fresh and rested for the podcast. And I set my alarm, and I take my nap, and then when I wake up, it's 2am, and I don't know what happened. Yeah, and I sent you messages,
0: and I'm like, hey Liam, hey Liam, Liam! But then you weren't there, and I sent you the wonderful poster for this episode, by the way. Tremendous poster. As usual, if you check our Twitter feeds, you'll find the poster for this episode. Tremendous stuff, and eventually you woke up. And it's like, oh, we and it's like, oh, god damn it, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I can't stay mad at you. Well, you know what? Given what we're going to talk about next, I, I can just take a well-deserved victory lap. Over the last week, we posted our 2002 TNA draft oh, no. to Patreon, or <laughs> me and Liam took the entire rosters of NWA TNA from 2002. We drafted our own roster and put together our shows. And we left it to you, our dear listeners, to determine the winners. And by a margin of 77.2% to 22.8% with 57 votes, which is 30-odd more patrons than we currently have, but let's ignore that. I won in a third landslide victory. So thank you. I am the best drafter here on this podcast so far.
2: All I can say is... I want to re-vote, I want to recall. There was clearly people voting from outside the purview who hadn't even seen the cards or the rosters ahead of time. You won pure, it was a popularity contest, had nothing to do with the merit of the cards. Stop the vote. Oh, this is bullshit, I'm being censored, they've taken me off Twitter. I
0: To be fair, I think it's also a lot to do with the quality of the cards.
2: <laughs> no, because if it was all to do with the quality of the cards, I would have won. Mm. As my my drafting of a bad show <laughs> was a, a slam dunk strategy.
0: <laughs> if you are a patron subscriber, you can go to tnachat.com to listen to the show where we did the draft and put together the shows and also check out the cards. The cards are also on our Twitter if you'd like to dig them out there. If you'd like to see what we put together, what the wonderful people of this podcast voted me as the winner of, you can look at those cards and judge for yourself who had the better show. Uh, it's me. It was me. <laughs> You see, I think I outdid you both in terms of quality wrestling matches and good meme matches. You did bad meme matches, whereas I had good meme matches.
2: No. 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 That's it. Fair enough. That is my defense.
0: So thank you to you wonderful people on Twitter and on Patreon who voted me as the drafting king.
2: Go fuck yourselves.
0: We'll do this for each year of TNA, so when we finish 2003, we'll do another draft for that, too. And I will maintain my my legacy here of being draft king.
2: I only have one more year of being to draft from the perspective of sex, so... Are
0: you gonna do your sex draft again in 03?
2: Obviously. After that, then things get serious. Then it starts to count. This is all... This is all meme drafts. I would never lose a real draft, as you could see from our AEW draft posted to Garrett's Twitter, where you could see I won and crushed him in every aspect. There
0: was no official poll for that draft, so there is no written record of who won that draft, so unfortunately... I can,
2: I can go to the responses and find out. That's
0: considered a no
2: contest. Those, those were write-in votes. <laughs> don't try to discredit the proxy votes.
0: We all know they don't count. Not allowed.
2: Wow. This is the hill I'm up against, alright? I'm a freedom fighter around here. And I'm fighting against the established corporate overlords that is Garrett Kidney. This is Democracy Manifest!
0: Which is a dramatic U-turn from your current political personal life.
2: Yeah, well. Yes.
0: (laughs) Anything else going on in your life, Liam?
2: Yeah, I got my second jab yesterday.
0: Oh, you're fully jabby-jabbed.
2: I'm full-jabbed. Eat shit, COVID. Mm, which Can't means, get me now.
0: Well, it has a 94% chance of not getting
2: Can't it. get to me now.
0: <laughs> and to be fair, if it does get you, you have considerably better health outcomes.
2: Mm. I'm going to be one of those guys who, like, die from it. And then I'm going to post a big thing on Facebook like, Don't get the vaccine.
0: I'm pretty sure if you die from it, you're not going to be able to post anything to no, Facebook.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm go- I'll get someone else to post it for me. Doesn't matter. I will...
0: Fight the mandates! Your anti-vax rant will be your, your in your will.
2: Yeah. And I'll demand it be read on the podcast. I will never read your axi- anti-vax. With, what, with, with whatever stock I have in it. I'll sue.
0: Your family will sue your descendants. Yeah, my
2: estate. My estate will come after you if you don't read my anti-vax sentiments on the podcast. Uh-oh. Don't silence me. <laughs> Nah, go get jabbed, though. <laughs> well, We like to have fun around here, but, like, you know, don't die from the, the disease.
0: Don't die a horrible, entirely preventable death.
2: Also, and, and like unless you're one of those people who just can't get the vaccine, and then I feel, I'm sorry, <laughs> don't want to leave you out.
0: Yeah, we're doing booster shots at this stage, and then there's still people who can't even get their, like, actual double jabs.
2: Well, there's also just people who can't get the, the jab in general, so mm. I feel bad for them. Like for health reasons,
0: which is all the more reason we should get it to protect them even further.
2: Yeah, but you know, yeah. oh, I don't want to be told by the government what to put in my body. Mm. It's like a sentiment I agree with, I guess, but like, not under the circumstances, <laughs> you kind of have to weigh, you know, the greater good against it.
0: That's the thing. It's like that argument is being entirely weaponized in bad faith for by people who
2: are anti-science. Yeah. Like, people who are <laughs> against AEW. <laughs> if you're an anti- If you don't like AEW, you're an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> Honestly, if you look at the
0: people who jump in my mentions, they're nearly always like, not nearly always, but the majority of the people who are get really no, it's mad it's one at- to
2: one. 100% <laughs> cross-rate. So, just think about that next time you post your oh, Tony Khan should worry about his own company tweet, that I'll be reading it as oh, don't go get jabbed, there's little microbes in there that'll rot into your brain and turn you into a Democrat.
0: But, like, yeah, it is my favorite little game when someone says something really dumb in my mentions. I'm like, I'm going to click through to you. Oh, yep. There you go. There's, like, anti vaxxer. <laughs> there's, like, some transphobic, homophobic, racist shit in their, like, first three tweets. And it's like,
2: yep. That adds up for all. Three of their followers. Yeah,
0: they're just shouting into the void at all these people, ruining their lives by trying to help people. You know what I don't get about anti vaxxers? Well, I don't get a lot of things about anti vaxxers. But, like, literal billions of these vaccines have been administered at this stage. Like, billions. It's probably, I don't have the numbers on this, but it is probably the most distributed vaccine in the history of mankind. I'd say more than likely, in terms of, like, Not percentage numbers applied to the population, but in terms of, like, you know, actual raw numbers of vaccines put in arms. And they're still like, oh, it hasn't been tested, it's not safe. It's like, I'm fine, you're fine, my entire family is fine, what are you
2: waiting for? 6.23 billion. That's so many people being administered vaccines. (laughs) And you're still like, I don't know, I think it might not be safe. 27.8 million doses a day. They're not
0: telling you how unsafe this is. It's like, buddy, I've had them in my arm circulating through my body for like three months now.
2: You're going to look a right fool when my arm falls off tomorrow.
0: (laughs) I will. Or when you are one of the statistically... Very unlucky people who do, in fact, die of COVID after getting two vaccinations.
2: My um doctor was like, alright, so, because it's, it's your second vaccine, we have to have a chat about possible side effects, and he was like, alright, this is stage one, you can get a little red, stage two is that you'll experience flu-like symptoms, or stage three is that, you know, you may feel some tightness in your chest or heart racing, it is not a blood clot, you will not die! <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, but what if it, no, she's like, No! It's not! (laughs) And I was like, alright. I'll take your word on it. It There's literally literally billions. And, like, it's
0: never the thing they say it is. Like, never, ever, ever is it the thing they say it is. It's not that it's not tested. Because once people are like, oh, it's it's not approved by the FDA. It's like, well, when the FDA approved it, what are you giving out about now? They'll find something else. They always find something else.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's the FDA, you know. It's not approved by another body that exists out there, I'm sure
0: and we will approve it eventually and then they'll be like, well, because they always move the goalposts because it's never about the thing that they think it's about. It's about just being anti-science and anti the people telling you to get it.
2: It's about being special. I want to be counterculture. I want Mm -hmm. to be and rebel against the system and the norm.
0: Oh, God, yeah. I saw an Austin Aries headline. I don't know why I read it. But it's like, pro wrestler (laughs) is is aghast at people in the world. And it's like, it's like Austin Aries being like, people are such sheep. Bloody blood. It's like, oh, you just want to think you're so smart. It's like, Once you accept in the world that you are not very smart, like, there are more things that I don't know about than I do know about, and I will die that way because there are so many things in the world, and I accept that. I'm okay with being ignorant and stupid about many things. I know
2: about most things, but I get your point.
0: But there are many people in the world who are not ignorant and stupid about those things. And I'm like, I will defer to them. Because I will never have their level of expertise. Ever. No matter how much reading of Facebook I do. No matter how many stupid YouTube recommendations show up in my feed. I will never be as smart as those people about these things. I'm okay with that. And some people just can't accept that because they have to be the smartest person in the room at all
2: times. See, that's how I feel when I'm um, I make a wrestling take and people question me. I'm like, do you not understand that I am the smartest person about this? <laughs> Why are you trying to come at me? I I have I have a doctorate in this essentially at this point. Why Why are you even questioning the things I say? Is it a doctorate in thugonomics? It's a Doctorate in New Japan from 2013 to 2017. As opposed to a doctorate in WrestleNomics. That's Brandon Thurston. We can... All of us can only aspire to be that level. (laughs) Alright, we'll talk about some TNA. I guess.
0: We are talking about February 2003, a quiet enough month on the news front... And it's not as even bombastic in terms of, like, the TV. Like, sex is just a part of the show now. It's a a baked-in, accepted part of pretty much everything that happens on this telecast. And I guess that's a thing I've just come to terms with.
2: I don't think it's been horrible, to be fair. It's a consistent storyline. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. Um, If there were better wrestlers in the group, I feel like I'd like it a lot more. But you know good with the bad at least there is a consistent story yeah i have two broad problems with sex
0: i think it involves far too much of the show like far too many of the angles far too many of the matches that happen on the show revolve around sex and to your point that you just made the talent involved are on average really really bad because like this is yeah. a month that does not have Christopher Daniels. Daniel's not here. It's a month that does not have Skipper. Skipper was actually there for the last show of the month, but Loki and Daniels weren't. So Skipper only worked an explosion match. Loki is only here for two shows?
2: I thought he was there for the three weeks, but he wasn't there for the last one.
0: Yeah, because he did the Carino match and then the tag team match with Raven against Sadman and Carino. But he's there, but he's not even doing good matches. So, like, the good members of Triple X aren't there or aren't doing interesting things. So you just get, again, more Gilberti, more Sanders, more Flair, more of these bad average wrestlers that you don't want to see.
2: I want to officially mm-hmm. um, announce that I'm no longer including Sanders in that list. Oh, because he's good? Or... Yeah. he He's, he, he, he's not good, mm-hmm. but he's better than Gilberti and Flair. So I don't want to lower him to those standards. Yeah, to be fair to
0: Sanders, like 90% of his matches will be like boring headlocks, arm bars, you know, kick punch, kick punch, atomic drop. But then he'll do a springboard moonsault and you're like, oh yeah, yeah. okay,
2: okay. The lowest ranking member is Flair, mm. and then it's Gilberti, and then it's Sanders. But like, you know, like Sanders might be above the Harris brothers, I don't know. There's, I, d- I don't want to include him in the bottom <laughs> tier anymore. He's graduated to D. So clearly it's been a very big month for Mike Sanders. Yeah. He's
0: no longer among the worst at sex.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: He's now like a D-tier sex guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, Bee Gees blow all these people too, by the way.
2: Oh yeah, 100%.
0: Yeah, so Sanders is probably above Bee Gees, so he's at least fourth worst.
2: The only, the only thing that Bee Gees has for him is like relative star power.
0: Which even then, he weaponizes that in ways that are thoroughly uninteresting. mm All right, let's get into the news from this month. As I mentioned, very, very light month. Uh, Russo resumed his role as producer backstage. It's actually a fun note where they're like, he's actually pretty popular backstage. I think mostly because all of the people who didn't like him
2: left. Yeah, I was going to say, all of his buddies are there and and they're having a good time.
0: Yeah, because Disco's there, Raven's there, Sanders is there, all his pals, Flair is there, they're driving together up and down the roads, coming from Atlanta every week, and, you know, all left and, and Walton left, and all the people who are, like, vehemently anti-Russo are gone, and Russo's basically in power now, so of course people like him because he's booking them, and they're gonna suck up to
2: him. Hmm. Sounds like a good time to be honest. I'm sure, like, Tanay's, like, walking around backstage, like, holding his, a uh, format in his arm, just like, oh, I hope they don't see me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's those Russo boys again. Do you think the sex people are picking on poor Mike? Yeah, because he's, like, the one guy that's there that doesn't like Vince still.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's the one holdout. But he's, like, the face of the resistance now on television as well. Like, this is the biggest push of Mike Tanay's career.
2: There's, there's, there's a point of, like... You know, security. In that he's the face of it on television, but backstage you isn't. I just imagine him walking around like the concession stand, and Mike Sanders and, and Kimberly walk up to him like, "Hey, Mike, where you going?" And they start pushing him into each other. I'm like, "Ah, oh, Mike!" <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, stop it, Russo boys!" I don't
0: know. Based on how much Mike Tanay thoroughly owns all of Vince Russo's boys on television, I think they're probably scared of him. It's like,
2: oh please, oh, please. They're please. like, oh no, Mike. The professor's here. Run, boys. He's like um the teacher. Yeah. Like they'll be picking on I don't know, Amazing Red in backstage, and then Mike Tanay will pass and like, oh, we gotta scram. Yeah, they're like, oh, no one your size has ever drew anything. And then
0: Mike Tenet pops up from behind the couch being like, well, actually, Rey Mysterio in Mexico. Oh, we don't want your facts here, Mike.
2: <laughs> it's like, um, no, we'll, we'll get to it with the disco and Gilberto segment later. Follow up on Shivani. There is a, a
0: nice note, at least, that by all accounts, even though they played up all their tension on air, Shivani and Tenet had a nice talk backstage and went through all their grievances together and had a nice clear the air meeting last month. No, oh, that's nice. So, Giovanni's never coming back and hates wrestling, but him and Tom Hightonet bury the hatchet. So, that's, that's well, good, at
2: least. that's nice. I, I, I'm upset that we'll never see Tony Giovanni involved in pro wrestling ever again.
0: Ever, ever again. Until we do our MLW rewatch project. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Oh, dear. There's a fun note, one of those, keep this in mind for, like, three years down the line... More than one source got the impression from watching Dusty Rhodes at the last show that he is paying close attention to the booking and hopes that he will get his chance to book again. That's from PW Torch, and he will in NXT or 2005 TNA, but we'll get there. <laughs> the American Dream sitting in the back of his truck with Trinity and Tracy Brooks that era
2: of booking TNA. What an era! I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I you know, I had no clue that um. You know, the highly touted 2005 TNA was booked by someone that's good at booking, I guess.
0: (laughs) Well, he only does half of it, to be fair, but
2: yes. Alright, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Do you recognise the indie wrestler Rob
2: Echols, Liam? I believe that is, in fact, TNA legend, former X Division champion, former TNA tag team champion, Rob E.,
0: Indeed. One of those, again, keep this in mind for seven years down the line. Indie wrestler Rob turns turned some heads during a recent tryout, according to BW Torch. It's, like, astounding to think that, like, Robbie E. is a guy who has been wrestling since, like, 2002.
2: The Rob Stone brand.
0: You know what's even more astounding? Mm. The dude has been on television for over a decade now.
2: <laughs> At, like, the... I don't know, like, and there's such a weird, like, level of... Push, too. Like, he's just hes just always been around. He's just a guy who has constantly
0: been on one of the relatively well-watched TV shows since the year 2010. Yeah. Fair play to him. It's like more people have watched Robbie E. on US national television than Kenny Omega. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and will continue to forever. Probably. Unless AEW do, like,
0: 2011 TNA numbers. One day. It's one of those wild things. When you when you just think about that, it's like there's just people who will watch wrestling on television who'll be like, Oh yeah, that Robbie E guy
2: <laughs> I look forward to us delving into the Robbie E period of TNA.
0: That will be quite a bit down the line.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we can call back to this, it'll be fun. Yeah,
0: this is the reason we're laying all these seeds for when we cover two years every year of the podcast, so twenty ten will be like four years down the line.
2: Hey Garrett, do you wanna do you wanna like record something right now about Robbie E that we can play on that episode where he debuts four years down the track.
0: Yeah, go on. Gimme whatever you got. So I definitely will
2: not remember to put this in by the way, when when we I will it. write and just set an alarm for twenty twenty five. Well Garrett, look, we're in twenty twenty five. Whoa. Wow, so much has changed. Uh I hope we're out of that pandemic. Oh, that was ages ago now. God, I'm in, like, my mid-thirties. Well, no, I'm almost in my mid th- I'm almost in my early thirties. Oh, God. Let's not think <laughs> about that. Let's think about how, uh, Roman Reigns just jumped to AEW. That shit was crazy, huh? Whoa. Wow, New Japan's back in favor with everyone?
0: Due to the shoulder Umino push.
2: Wow, that really worked out, huh? Uh-huh. Oh, shame about Noah dying again. They have been- Folded into DDT. Oh, shame about DDT being
0: folded into Big Japan. (laughs) And then WWE bought Big Japan, and oh no,
2: NXT Japan Uh, is back! Oh, but don't worry, uh, we just found out that WWE is foreclosing forever in 2025.
0: Other than NXT UK, which will continue to operate (laughs) independently for reasons beyond comprehension.
2: Triple H bought it out, I guess.
0: He's sitting in his warehouse in Enfield with frickin' Gallus.
2: (laughs) Garrett, Garrett, don't worry about all that. All the people listening obviously know that. We're Mm -hmm. here to talk about Robbie E., who's debuting. Whoa. (laughs) Cool. He's doing a Jersey Shore thing. I hope it's cool. (laughs) We're ghosts now, I guess. (laughs) Oh yeah! Back in 2003, they were looking at him. Isn't that funny? How seven years later he's now debuting?
0: Hilarious!
2: All right, now back to 2021. <laughs> now, bye. Goodbye, ghost of Robbie E. Future. <laughs> you're you're also coming with me. Come back. Oh, hi! All right, look. Now we're back in 2021. Should we do the whole same thing for Rob Terry? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whoa. Uh.
0: When did Rob Terry debut? When did the Freak debut? He debuted in like 09 with the British Invasion.
2: Oh, we're already covering that. So.
0: <laughs> BG James and the entire Armstrong family, frankly, had a bit of a falling out with TNA this month. Bob Armstrong requested a $50 pay rise from 300 bucks per show to 350 And he was declined, so the entire Armstrong family walked out, including BG and Scott.
2: And they never came back.
0: It's very unfortunate that they did, they did come back. But if you do notice that PG uh, James isn't on the second two shows of this month, that is why. By all accounts, he's also not happy with his push because he's beat by Zach Gowan in this month as well.
1: <laughs>
0: as a guy who came in as like an NWA title contender and all of a sudden he's demoted to being just the job guy for sex.
2: I don't know, maybe he should try being a compelling force on the program then.
0: And again, we are reaching the stage where in March 2003 is when... Head of State featuring NWA World Champion BG James came out, so...
2: My God. As we record this on the anniversary of Chris Rock. Indeed. Appearance.
0: His quote made iconic by the You've Got to Be Kidding Me intro.
2: <laughs> TNA is the best wrestling in the planet on the To world. be fair,
0: when it was posted the Impact account today, first thing somebody did was tag our Twitter account, so we're clearly over.
2: We're, we're big league now.
0: We're just people who are tagged in mentions.
2: That's the dream, isn't it?
0: It's when you know you've made it. <laughs>
2: I need to know what they think of this. Hmm. Yeah. So we're gonna be like, Oh, stop snitch tagging TNA History Pod every time something TNA happens. There is a, a fun irony to them both replying
0: to the impact account and then tagging the, the TNA History Pod account. Both of which I will see. So yeah the the Armstrong family has had their falling out because BG didn't get a bunch of money.
2: Because Bob didn't get all the money.
0: And, like, to be fair, BG by all accounts took a pay cut during, like, the bad days, the real bad days, from, like, two grand per show to a grand per show, so I think maybe the indignity of not giving his father an extra 50 bucks a show was like, (laughs) alright, you know what, we're gonna back Dad over this one. Yeah, fair enough. There's a lot more TNA in Australia news, Liam.
2: Oh, g'day! (laughs) That's not Australian. I was trying to do the thing that we have. Well, I, I don't have any instruments to do Australian noises.
0: You don't carry a didgeridoo with you at all times. Mm. <laughs> I, as an Irishman, I carry a bower on with me at all times. It's it's just our, our law. Just like I have a shillelagh with me that I can hit people with, like David Finlay.
2: I do have a blade next to me. That is very Australian.
0: And do you have a butcher next to you?
2: <laughs> the motherfucking butcher? No.
0: <laughs> oh. Very disappointing.
2: I only have the blade.
0: So the first show that aired on January twenty second did between three thousand and four thousand buys, according to the Wrestling Observer, which seems pretty good. Yeah, as <laughs> I told you, it was that Australian themed show. They've also struck a bunch of TV deals, including on Fox Eight. Do you know Fox Eight?
2: Yeah, Fox Eight was was my favorite channel growing up. It showed The Simpsons. It showed Family Guy. It showed American Dad. It showed WWE Raw. WWE Smackdown, WWE Superstars, WWE NXT, WWE Main Event, and, of course, TNA Impact.
0: So this is the beginning of the TNA relationship, where they'll have a weekly show starting at 8pm on Saturday nights, where they are going to be showing the pay-per-views from the beginning, so they're going to go back to the June shows. That's cool.
2: So, yeah, still doing pretty okay in Australia. (laughs) The ethos of every wrestling company.
0: A note I included, just due to the combination of names... Jeff Jarrett and Jeremy Borash attended the Mike Tyson fight in Memphis on February 22nd. They were seated in the fourth row in the same area as rapper Jay-Z and could be
2: seen in the hard camera shots. Wow, they should have pitched for Hove to come over to the NWA TNA.
0: And do the entrance music.
2: Yeah.
0: Jay-Z just doing all of the TNA theme songs. That would have been sick. <laughs> so he, he fought Clifford Etienne then. He won uh, TKO.
2: Yeah, one for-, for the good guys.
0: First round of 10, 49 seconds. <laughs> yes, good guys. It's okay. Well done, Mike Tyson, for winning your fight in less than a minute. Killed him. The fight was called Back to Business. It was in the Pyramid in Memphis, which is, I guess, why they went, because it's in Tennessee.
2: This feels like a Trilla Fight Club deal.
0: <laughs> it really does. <laughs> this was after he lost to Lennox Lewis for, like, the last time. So this was, like, really declining Tyson. Was actually, this was actually the last win of his career.
2: I don't know anything about boxing.
0: Neither do I, but Mike Tyson's a big name
2: allegedly. I know more about (laughs) Jay-Z.
0: All Elite Wrestling star Mike Tyson. Jay-Z's not an All Elite Wrestling star yet. Yet. Yet indeed. A fun note that made me think of something else. Russo Sanders... Raven and Gilberti, who travel from Atlanta to Nashville together every week, are trying to put together a show where they film their drives and brainstorm. Wait a st- minute. We're talking about wrestling. Trying to sell the tapes. So imagine the original Being the Elite is Raven, Sanders, Russo, and Gilberti.
2: It's not even Being the Elite, it's that WWE Network show that they do.
0: Oh, uh, Ride Along? Is that the name of that? Yeah, it's Ride Along. <laughs> Or the Cole Cabana Wrestling Road Diaries. was that the name of that documentary? Yep, Wrestling Road Diaries. So yeah, these guys clearly invented it, and everybody else stole Russo's idea as usual.
2: I don't, I don't think they invented it if it never saw the light of day. <laughs> That's true. They never actually did it. But yeah, I would, I would watch the hell out of that. To be honest, <laughs> imagine all the cancelable things they would have said in those trips. Oh yeah, like so many, so many
0: cancelable things. <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, now I wish they made it. Though mm. so I guess if you just watch TNA TV, that's basically what it is anyway. Yeah, well. All of the dumb ideas they came up with on that trip spilling onto a television show.
2: And, like, Russo's like, alright, guys, I got this Klansman pitch for you," And they're all like, no, Russo, we can't do it. This is the fourth trip in a row you've pitched this. We're not doing the Klansman gimmick. But he's like, oh, but I bought the suit. <laughs> that's fine, we'll name it Mr. Wrestler."
0: Don and Ron thought it was a great idea. <laughs> Allegedly.
2: Garrett loved it, though.
0: Hey! Panda Energy owner Bob Carter was at the, the February 12th show giving everyone a pep talk. Dixie also gave a pep talk saying numbers are up, but did not give specifics this time, which is the reason later in the month when you hear Gilberti and Sanders say, oh, pay rebuy rates are up, they're using the same 22% statistic from last month.
2: Ah. I thought they were just going to go, yeah, they're up, and then Mark's be like, how do you know that? He's like, oh, Dixie said it.
0: <laughs> Dixie in her speech, Bob said it. Apparently Bob is liking wrestling. He's enjoying it.
2: Come on the show. Fund us. Come on the show. Have a good time.
0: And by all accounts, it came across as if he had been actually watching the show, which made the wrestlers feel good.
2: Well, that's nice. It's nice to have a boss that likes the thing you're doing.
0: Hmm. <laughs> as opposed to a boss that actively hates the genre of entertainment you operate in.
2: Yeah. And like resents being a part of it mm. <laughs> with every fibre of his being. It's amazing
0: how one of those things feels much better than the other. Yeah. Alright, as I said, not much in the term in terms of news this month, that's about it. Nothing bombastic. Nothing salacious. I think like realistically this is gonna be the case where I think a lot of the rest of the asylum years, where it's like it's really pretty stable for the most part.
2: Clearly like the impact zones where things go downhill.
0: Well, it's where things, again, start going down, and, you know, there's shifts in booking, and, you know, there's big firsts where they get on TV, and they get on Spike, and they get on pay-per-view, and there's a bunch of stuff like that, whereas I think for the next, like, year and a bit, it's gonna be a lot of, like, ah, there are small, small notes this month, but the company didn't really go to business, there's no, like, big shift in the tone of the company, it's gonna feel pretty stable for a while. Boo! Why are we even watching? Let's just skip to 04. I want Drava. I want people being <laughs> ousted as Booker. I want the company potentially going under at any given moment.
2: Don't worry, we'll get there.
0: Many times. Which brings us to broad topics for the monthly. And shock of all shock. Guess what we're starting with? Sex sells. But who's buying? Vince Russo and Sex for the month. A lot of Russo and Sex. As I mentioned, nearly every story runs some way through Russo and Sex. The big thing is Russo is now feuding with Jeff Jarrett in full. It's not like a weird side part of the Vince Russo and Sex stuff. Like this month is defined by Sex's feud with Jeff Jarrett.
2: Yeah, uh... He's Russo loves Jared, but who uh, wants him to join sex? Uh, jarrett join sex? Question mark. It's a swerve. It's a hell of a month for the the Russo jarrett family dynamic.
0: Mm, we'll get to that when we get to the end of the Russo and Jared sex stuff for the month. But we opened okay. with the strangest segment that I thought was just so thoroughly lame, which was sex. Dressed in, like, military attire, they were, like, commandos, troops with their face painted, wearing camouflage pants. And the whole thing was, like, they were wearing, like, as and we weren't meant to know who they were, but they were obviously sex.
2: It's a look that I'm sure the Harris brothers were intimately <laughs> familiar with wearing. <laughs>
0: Allegedly. The problem
2: is, right, is that, like, none of these guys are... Tough. Tough. <laughs> so it's, like... Sex works when it's a bunch of goofs doing goofy shit and, like, beating up one guy, but when they're all, like serious militia storming the asylum. It's like, all right, I can't take any of this seriously. Yeah, this feels like exactly what it
0: is, which is a bunch of goofball nerds dressing up like military tough guys and trying to be cool and thoroughly failing.
2: Yeah, it's not, I don't know, it's not believable, which I guess is the Russo idea. It doesn't need to be, I guess, it just needs to be shocking and...
0: Though, to be fair, like, Russo's big thing is, like, realism, that you buy into it.
2: It's not realism within the the context of the physicality. It's realism in the backstage and the salacious news and the using personal relationships. It's not like... He's not like he's pitching for shoot fights out there. Mm. Yes. (laughs) One day, hopefully.
0: So, Sex kidnapped Jeff Jarrett and tried to reprogram him...
2: Yes, uh, they what was it, what were they calling it. They were, had to update his character.
0: Yes, because Glenn Gilberti is the director of character development with Sex. So Vince Russo stands in the stands in his military garb, t- telling Glenn Gilberti that he wants Jeff Jarrett thinking about boobs. He wants him doing you people promos. He wants him cursing. He wants a full character
2: reboot for Jeff Jarrett. He wants him thinking about tits and ass. Yeah. It is funny how like sex do mostly
0: get heat, they mostly get booed until Vince Russo does that. He mentions tits and ass, and everyone's like, "Oh
2: yeah, <laughs> oh we like that."
0: <laughs> so they they beat him up. Like even the freaking reveal for this entire angle, where like the sh- the show ends with sex all running out. They all like beat the hell out of all the baby faces, standing tall, acting like cool guys in a really like lame, boring beatdown. Probably most notable for something that happened off-screen, which was Brian Lee fell on a stage director and knocked them out. Oh, no! So there was a ban on wrestlers brawling around the announce table because of that, and a lot of people were mad that Vince Russo in particular was very fond of going around the announce table, and one of the stage directors got knocked out, so, like, stop it.
2: Yeah, lucky that this was 2003 and not 2021, where they would have got their ass sued out of them. Probably
0: could have happened in 2003 as well, to be fair.
2: Yeah, but, uh, you know, I think we would definitely be talking about, you know, a case of, oh, is this company going to get shut down again? <laughs> How did it happens
0: later on? So, yeah, the show ended, Sex doing that big beatdown, one of the members came out, everyone thought it was Glengilberti, Glengilberti walks out naked with uh, Dick um, out, <laughs> a comically stuffed underwear.
2: I don't know, I thought that, I think that's real. That's
0: a shoot. That's a shoot penis as opposed to a worked penis? Worked penis, yes. Hmm.
2: I'm sure there's a lot of worked penis in sex. <laughs> and I mean that on every sense. Yeah, it's the psychology of sex. Yeah.
0: But Jarrett then reveals himself to be one of the members of the Goon Squad and like he does he punches like three guys and they go off the air, and like really? They did like a six minute beatdown for that really lame reveal.
2: It was very, you know, terrible attitude error mm. angle where like the rips the mask off and starts going to town and it's like alright it's not exactly interesting is it
0: no and like it was committed so much of the show to it like the opening segment where they ran out and then the closing segment where like that beatdown did go on for ages and ages before they just like did like ten seconds of Jeff Jarrett revealing himself and punching some dudes and went off the air
2: if he had at least started swinging a chair or something you know
0: break out some stone cold Jeff Jarrett
2: I guess that would have been, like, a cool touch, too, because it would have been like, uh aha, his character did change! Mm. So, like, you know, there there could have been, like, a tiny moral victory for Russo there, if it's like, you know, even though you beat us all up, I kind of did get you because I made you go to that, like, that extra place. Yeah.
0: So, uh, after that show, it didn't air until the opening of the February 12th pay-per-view, after that, they, they tied Jared up. They all got the better of him. They tied him to the ropes and they beat the living shit out of him with a strap in a way that looked very gnarly.
2: Yeah. Well, that's how we know that uh, Loki was on this show because he whipped Jared in the back of the neck.
0: Oh, yeah, he did. He like went straight for the back of the neck. The man did not hold back. It's like everyone else whipping yeah. him on the back, you know. Normal whipping behavior was Loki's like, no, I'm going to shoot at him and hit him in the neck.
2: Yeah, a couple interesting notes from this segment. We had Vince Russo saying that this is New York style. (laughs) If we have any New York listeners, please tell us about the multiple
0: times in which people are dropped from ring ropes, tied to them, and then strapped with leather straps by multiple people dressed as militia. Because that's apparently New York style weapons.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, we had the really cool shot of the NWA title being strapped around Jarrett's. Back so that it, while it was being whipped, you could see the NWA title. Well, yeah, that, like
0: that was a much better angle than the angle they actually closed the last pay per view with.
2: I wonder if it was just pure like time constraints or something.
0: The angle went about ten minutes longer, so if if they were out of time, they dramatically mistimed the show. I think the intent was always to do it after the show, maybe get some buzz that there was like, oh, there's this killer whipping angle. Oh, they're going to show it in the next show, or something like that. I think that was the idea.
2: Mm, maybe.
0: So that means Jarrett missed the next show until he showed up at the end. (laughs) Yeah. In classic pro wrestling fashion, it's like Jarrett is staying home, licking his wounds, oh, the poor guy, and then he shows up, but then he gets beaten up by AJ.
2: Say what you want about Jeff Jarrett, but the man has been taking his fair share of physicality over these last couple months.
0: So he got whipped, he got beaten up, then he comes out to save Steve Carino and Sandman from sex trying to do the same thing they did to him, and then AJ drops him with a stars clash on a chair. Mm Mm-hmm. Which brings us to the next week in which one of the, probably the best match of this entire run of TV happened, which was AJ Styles against Jeff Jarrett. One of the biggest feeling NWA title matches so far.
2: That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say this felt like a, like it, this felt, the only other time that I think a match felt this big was the Ron Killings Shamrock one, but this was a good match mm-hmm. on top of that. So, like, they had, a, they both had similar atmospheres, but this one actually delivered in the same way.
0: Yeah, because this is AJ finally getting his, his world title shot. His final, like, This is his official, like, bump up to heavyweight. He's finally getting his world title match. And he, like, these two, I've never understood it, but they have bizarrely good chemistry.
2: Well, I think what it is, and you can see it here 100%, is when Jarrett's in there with Styles, he wants to work up to Styles' speed and level. He doesn't want to bring Styles down. So I, it's it's really interesting watch because it's Jarrett going at like 100 miles an hour trying to keep up with Styles, not doing the, the story of like, you know, the, the old Southern style, like, clipping the the young high flyer and slowing down the match. Like, it's just go, go, go. And I think it kind of rocks.
0: Yeah, and AJ bumps like a madman. There's a a bump in this match where like Jarrett just shoves him up in the air and AJ just comes down on the knee. Mm. And it looks so good.
2: You know, just aesthetically too. this month, AJ looks like the most AJ Styles he's been. Mm. With his like cool green DX Styles gear and the purple gear at the end of the month, and um, I also thought really interesting note about that shirt is like it's not a TNA shirt, <laughs> yeah, it's like an AAW shirt. Oh, because there's a there's a big old AAW logo on the back of it.
0: I can't imagine they were best pleased about him wearing non TNA merch on a TNA show.
2: I guess. I just I, Yeah, I noticed that. I was like, I was looking for a TNA like, There's no TNA logo on this. And it was like some sort of AAW logo. Is this match the birth of like the Jeff Jarrett formula? It's definitely the most modern Jeff Jarrett's felt.
0: Yeah, because like it's the Jarrett match where he's doing everything under the sun. He has a good wrestling match. And it, it, it's what really infuriates me about him in TNA, honestly. Because you do watch this match and it's like, you could go out there and have just a top-notch match with AJ Styles. Like, he could. He did for three quarters of the match. And then they mm. just descend into the Jarrett bullshit, which in this match, I think, broadly worked because it's the first time they've done it.
2: It also makes sense, yeah.
0: Mm, all the interference, all the, the, like, near falls, there's two ref bumps. It's like the full Jeff Jarrett shebang that will become infamous and we will become sick of by 2005.
2: I think I'm going to stick in with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is, I think, the first time we've seen it. And... I'm looking forward to hating it within, like, three weeks. Because <laughs> here, it works. It does work. You know, the crowd are living and dying on the Near Falls. They're living and dying on Siaki and Zabisco and all the, and the Harris Bros and all these people running out and interfering. Even if I think it doesn't make a lick of sense that AJ was fine with Zabisco helping him cheat, but Siaki helping him cheat is a big no-no. Even though he entered the building with Russo, so he's on board with Russo.
2: I don't know, he's cheating. You know, Larry Z is his guy. You know, I think he's expected for his guy. But, you know, keep those... those. Like he said, he doesn't agree with the ethos of Sports Entertainment Extreme. But he yeah, he entered the building with Russo! That's the whole I mean, thing! You know, I honestly thought the whole swerve of that was going to be just, just that AJ needed a lift. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, he just couldn't get a lift to the building.
0: Oh, uh, my car broke down and Vince was nearby. Yeah. I also think if you think about the main event for a bit, it kind of buries AJ. Because like Jeff Jarrett kicks out of everything in this match.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like AJ might be able to overcome it in the long run.
0: Hmm, perhaps, or get over in spite of it, mm. <laughs> rather than overcome it. Really. Well, isn't that what you want?
2: Organic.
0: <laughs> the Brian Danielson. Yeah. See so yeah, and like this easily the best match of the month, this Stars and Jarrett match. Again, probably the best world title match in the history of the company. I think usurping the Killings and Jarrett matches for that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, check it out. And they're like the great crowd, by all accounts, like thirteen hundred. It was the sellout for the last two shows of this month. So I'd imagine the idea of this Russo again, people being like, "Oh, the sports entertainment." It's like, "Oh, you gave them a good main event and people showed up." Oh, shocker, even though it was papered. As usual, there's even a thing next month we'll talk about about them like being like should we be giving away so many free tickets? <laughs> but we'll talk about that next month.
2: Imagine like you know buying tickets and then seeing everyone else just like walking. You're like, what? <laughs> I think that's the thing they talk about next month. It's like if
0: we keep giving people tickets, nobody is going to want to pay for tickets. Mm. But hey, it, it creates, contributes a good atmosphere here when they it's full and packed and the people are interested.
2: Yeah, the asylum is is really cool when it's actually full.
0: And when it's actually, like, enthusiastic. Because for lots of these shows, it's not. So when it's enthusiastic, yeah. it's quite fun.
2: But you can't blame them. So then the last show of the month,
0: NWA pay-per-view number 34, February 26th, is built around the ultimate of shoot interviews, Liam. <laughs> I love
2: all of the stories about this.
0: So the last show went off the air with Jared uh, Russo going to Jarrett's house to have a chat with Jeff's wife, Jill, and his kids. So that's the big mm-hmm. cliffhanger that Russo left the building that night. He's not going to be there for the Jarrett Styles match. And shock, uh, like surprisingly, he wasn't there. It wasn't the pro wrestling thing where he said he's not going to be there and then he showed up. He wasn't there. He was going to Jeff's house. So then... the the February 26th show is built around Jeff Jarrett joining sex Russo has convinced him Russo tells us that Jeff Jarrett has seen the light he has finally joined sex and we're gonna he's gonna reveal why in the main event segment with a big welcome home Jeff banner and then they play a tape where it's Vince Russo's kids will and I believe BJ is the name of his other son they cut a promo about how bad a father Vince Russo is (laughs) his shoot children are put on the screen. Like, uh, his, his oldest son, I think, seems seems like 15, 16. The younger one seems like 8, 9, 10-ish. The older one's a work of that's the thing like the older it's a good promo fair play to him he, he the the apple didn't fall far from the tree he's a good promo like his dad where he like he cuts this promo about how Vince was never around he moved them from Connecticut to Atlanta when he went to work for WCW and then all of his friends and stuff were left behind in Connecticut and they'd go see movies as a family but Russo would get a phone call and leave and he'd miss the whole movie and he was like dad I love you but you're not around for this family <laughs> I have very conflicted feelings about this because if you think about it I think it's pretty effective but I'm also like yeah what's the point of this
2: I think well it's just to further the whole like Jared Russo stuff but um I I think it's 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 interesting I think it's pretty compelling I also think that the live crowd did not give a single fuck or no shit about it oh
0: yeah the worst part is when they cut back to Russo live before Russo does this promo about how his kids suck the the crowd are actually chanting boring and you can hear them chanting boring underneath will Russo's promo which is a shame again a good promo A very great line in the Wrestling Observer from Dave. There's two very good sassy lines in the Wrestling Observer from Dave this month. But this one, Russo's son did a uh, taped promo similar to the David Flair deal saying his father was never home, except Will delivered a good promo.
2: Yeah, and, you know, as we want to say too, just further biting off of Brian Lawler's gimmick.
0: Yeah, there's a a lot of Brian Lawler characters on the show. A lot of sons giving out about their fathers.
2: Yeah, we'll get to that, I'm sure.
0: It happens multiple times this month. Never mind every other month.
2: It also is ends with a big angle, too. So
0: Involving Brian Lawler, which we'll again get to in a moment. Russo then responded to his kids, and he called his un- kids ungrateful shits. And he was like... I I'm let one of a freak. <laughs> he did. He called his younger son a freak. And he was like, I let you stay up to watch Howard Stern. I went down and got you out of trouble when you were in trouble in school, and I gave out to your principal. And he's like... All of the things he illustrated are, like, bad parenting. <laughs> I think that's meant to be the bit, though, isn't it? Probably. That's like, how dare you be ungrateful for my bad parenting?
2: I let you host poker tournaments in the <laughs> in the house after school. And, of course, he ends it with the strongest line of, Yeah, well, right, when I get home, I am going to go into your room, and I'm going to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> He does, in fact, threaten child abuse here
0: on national pay I wonder, was there people who were like... Because, you know, famously, when Vince McMahon was blown up in his limo on Raw, Donald Trump called Titan Tower as being like, Hey, did Vince just die on TV?
2: That's a guy that was in charge of a country.
0: Yeah, he was elected by the people to run a country. Great job, America. <laughs> but I do wonder, was there people who watch this who's like, Oh, Vince Russo has threatened to beat his children here on television. I better call Child Protective Services.
2: No, it was 2003, no one cares.
0: The The Trump one was 2007.
2: Yeah, but like, I'm saying, I no, I mean, they may have thought it was legitimate, they didn't give a shit. No one cares for poor Vince Russo's kids. Yeah, and everyone fucking punched their kids in the head in 2003. Mm. I think it was just accepted part of the culture. <laughs> okay. Not saying it was right or wrong, I mean, it was, it was wrong, but, you know...
0: I don't know. I think you're saying that this is an acceptable behavior. This is an acceptable response for Vince Russo here toward his children, bearing their souls to him. Hey, Garrett,
2: I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to beat the shit out of
0: you like I've never done before. I think everybody who listens to this should call the police (laughs) on (laughs) it. Which one? The Irish police. Get them on the plane. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this segment does end with Garrett coming out. He spears Russo before the new stable of David Flair... Ryan yes. Lawler and yes. Eric Watts show up yeah! <laughs> the amazing fails on stable of second generation stars nobody ever wanted to see have combined their forces to attack Jeff Jarrett the second generation son who I guess people kind of want to see
2: you should have seen like, the moment of realization when I was like they're all second generation oh Jarrett's second generation oh, we just had Vince Russo's kid on the fucking team <laughs> I was like wow
0: Actually, I think Jarrett might be third generation, but still, either way, whatever just... it
2: doesn't matter. But like, yeah, i following the Russo kid stuff too. Oh, like this is this is this is art. This is the closest <laughs> we've gotten to art in this company. So we do have a
0: recurring through line in TNA history of it's about people with daddy issues. Yeah, Jeff has daddy issues with Jerry, and he's picking sides with Russo, who has daddy issues with Will, who is picking taking sides with Jarrett, who who is uh, feuding with. Flair and Lawler and Watts, who all have daddy issues. Wow, what a story running through here, this TNA.
2: This company's pretty hot. It's got Jared versus Watts, Lawler and Flair.
0: Oh, yeah, look at the the names everybody wants to hear. It's like me booking Steamboat against Flair in my draft show. (laughs) Yeah. Tricking the people. That's all you need to put on the marquee. You don't need to say it's David. You just need to say it's (laughs) Flair. So yeah, that's the, the big segment where they put Jared through a table as we end the month on the, the, the second generation stable of Flair, Watts, and Lawler. And I assume you're just delighted to see Brian Lawler again.
2: Oh, biggest pop of the night. I wish he was in a bigger spot.
0: We nearly <laughs> went two whole episodes without having a Brian Lawler appearance. He would have been furious.
2: Yeah, I know. Uh, great outfit, obviously. Mm-hmm. I wish he got the big spot at the end, though. I don't know much about Eric Watts, except that he is. Quite large. He's a tall man who is not very good. He did a cool choke slam. So I feel
0: like Eric Watts is like the prototype bad son. You know, the the first guy who's really like Bill wants to push his son, so he will push his son, but he's really not very good. Mm. It's actually funny, the the best second generation wrestler on this show, the on these shows that's mentioned, doesn't even show up and that's Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. <laughs> Which does pivot us to Russo, while feuding with Jeff Jarrett for most of the month, also feuded with Dusty Rhodes for most of the month. <laughs>
2: Just a light bit of feuding on the side.
0: So yeah, he has the usual issues with Dusty. It's the usual tradition respect stuff. Nothing too groundbreaking. The big thing is Vader shows up to be Dusty's
2: pal. Yeah, I really wish I cared about it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's certainly not Vader, Vader. It's not the Vader you remember. He is considerably larger, considerably less mobile. But though he occasionally does just do cool suplexes on Nazis. So, you know, that rules. Alleged. <laughs> no, the suplex happened. I think you didn't we do that like exact joke on the watch along Don't worry about it we did it's right. only the the number of people who are listening to the ten dollar material are smaller than the number of people who listen to the podcast, so we can repeat so material it's a nod for them and there's only like five people who will be like, "Oh hey, wait a minute <laughs> we do not have to call out our distinct lack of originality.
2: Yeah, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Just edit this out, don't worry about
0: it. So yeah, the daddy issue thing does prop up where or, or when they're face-to-face at one stage, Vince Russo is like, your issue with me is because of Dustin Rhodes and nobody cared about Dustin when he was like the lone star of Dustin Rhodes when he was just the young up-and-comer who was just regular old dusty son and they only cared about him when I made him gold, dust, and You resent that. And I'm like, actually, you know what? That's a pretty good like premise for an angle.
2: Yeah, but also, like, I don't know. I think people cared about... You know, WCW Tag Champion. Dustin Rhodes teaming with Ricky Steamboat.
0: Yeah, you go back and watch those matches. Those matches rule.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think people cared.
0: People were into Dustin Rhodes. And again, he is one of the better forced-on-people second-generation sons.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously, number two, Shane McMahon, but mm. everyone else. Dustin never jumped off cages. He's no brawn Breaker, but... <laughs> we do not respect that name on this podcast. He's no... Tony D'Angelo. I wonder is
0: Braun Breaker the son of fake Scott Steiner?
2: Oh, your dude that you drafted.
0: Yeah, Del Rios.
2: I don't think he is.
0: I wonder is he part of the family? We should we should examine the Scott Steiner lore to discover whether or not Del Rios fits in in the Braun Breaker <laughs>
2: chronology. You should have had um, Del Rios dress up as Braun Breaker.
0: Oh, yeah, and they bring him back. They should bring back Del Rios. If he's around. What's Del Rios up to, do you think? yeah what's he doing he's out working because it's always fun to when we're like watching pay-per-views I'll have the cage match open usually and there's like just randos so it's like oh
2: they're still wrestling and they're like local wrestling company it's like good for them we checked out David Young and it was like 2019 was his last match he's still chipping away fair play
0: waiting to get that call for that one last run the diamonds in the rough reunion we're all waiting
2: for Ooh. I know I am
0: so, the the big thing that leads to a feud between Dusty and Vader and the Harris Bros, which leads to a very cool match, even if it's not a very good
2: match. Which match is that? Vader and Dusty against the Harris Bros, Liam. Oh, yeah, I would definitely describe it as cool. It is. It's Vader and Dusty teaming together. Nah, I, I didn't care. I didn't care about any of this. My only prevailing thought about this entire thing was when I was watching um Dusty cut his promos, and I was like... Yeah, this guy's cool as hell.
0: (laughs) And then you don't care when he teams with the other cool guy to wrestle the Nazis, allegedly? Nah. (laughs) Not really. Even though, like, the crowd are super into it, and it's super hot, and, like, the match isn't great, but it's carried by the fact that the crowd are like, hell yeah, it's Vader and Dusty.
2: I mean, it's (laughs) alright. I was just more... The whole time I was just watching it, and I was just going, you remember when he cut that promo about, um, tradition, and then being in the, the hotel room, and the NWA title was, uh, was peeking out the bag, and that's when he's like, that's when I knew wrestling was real, like, that moment. Mm -hmm. I was... I really, like... I kind of went on, like, some innermost journey about that promo while watching this match, and I was like, man, Dusty is just the coolest. He's, like, just a real wrestling desperado, you know? Just this bad motherfucker travelling around the country, winning titles, wrestling in, like, sold-out fucking arenas going to dive bars up. This is what wrestling is. I just had this whole, like, flush of thought process and I was like, damn, I should watch some Dusty Rhodes. (laughs) I I only know Dusty as an old man. (laughs) Uh, It's actually funny, I was going to say, in
0: comparison to Kurt Hennig, who did pass away this month, one of the shows opened with the 10-bell salute for Kurt Hennig, but in comparison to his TNA work, which is entirely uninspired and not remotely a reflection of him as a performer at his peak, it's funny that you do watch Dusty here and like he's not nearly the performer he was at his peak, but he's still the promo he was at his peak, and that still gets yeah. you, gets you, gets you in the heart, gets you in the emotions, gets you thinking about just how good this man is at professional wrestling.
2: Yeah, it, it like really it, it did hit me every time Dusty spoke this month. I was just like, yeah, this guy, this guy represents. That like that era of that era and that um that type of wrestler that you don't see very often anymore.
0: Mm. He's the ultimate defender of tradition for you. Yeah, they picked like the him. right guy.
2: Finally, <laughs> yeah.
0: after freaking Bill Barons and Bob Armstrong, like seven
2: tries we got the
0: Ricky Steamboat, and we have another one on these shows with JJ J. Dillon. So.
2: Yeah, but I also like JJ J. Dillon. So.
0: And Larry Z. Larry Z is good too. To be fair.
2: Mm. Larry z is, like, in perfect AEW form right here.
0: It is. Like, it's quite nice that there are people, finally, on these shows that can cut promos. Like, Russo's a good promo for as much as the content of his promos can be terrible. You know, Dusty's a great promo. Larry Zabisco's a great promo. Raven can be a good promo.
2: (laughs) Raven can have some days, but also is a good promo for the most part.
0: Mm, So there are people, finally, who can talk. And, and even when you, like, like, the Maite and A sit-downs are very good. We'll get to, 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 to some of the more notable ones this month in a minute. But, like, th- those are all very good. They're ati- entirely different kinds of promos in very different settings. But they all work for what they're trying to achieve as well. So there's, there's good
2: promos, I think, up and down on all these shows. And considering, you know, 60% of these shows are fucking talking, it's nice to have some people that can talk. Yeah, instead of people cutting very bad promos and AJ sniffing Goldilocks, although I I am still like an unabashed fan of AJ cutting promos at this point,
0: even though Larry is literally cutting his promos for him.
2: Just a weirdo, dork, loser. It's great
0: other sex things this month. Raven, his big sex feud was with the Sandman and AJ, kinda. Yep. So we we begin the ECW influx into TNA. Raven is obviously the start of it. We also have Diamond and Swinger on these shows. And the big one this month is the Sandman who has himself a whale of a time on these shows. He looks like he is having the most fun. Because
2: he debuts
0: on the pay-view number 32, February 12th, where he comes out, he saves J.J. Dillon who also debuted on the show. Defender
2: shows. of tradition, the Sandman. <laughs>
0: it is very strange that the man who is probably most associated with debauchery in the history of wrestling, the Sandman, has decided to show up on the side of the NWA and tradition here. But that's the case, mostly because he doesn't like Raven. So he shows up, he's beating up Raven, he's drinking, he's smoking, he's hanging out in the crowd. When he's making his entrances, he's kissing women, and he's okay. guzzling beer with fans, and also smoking again. Even in his motion graphics, he's smoking.
2: Listen, there's some things about that I don't
0: necessarily approve of. You don't approve of Sandman's behavior with Lollipop?
2: I just think, have some standards, love. How dare you? The Sandman, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Of all the people, the Sandman. I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed
0: for context when Sandman wrestles AJ Styles this month which is a match you never thought would happen Sandman and AJ it's just those two people when he wrestles AJ he comes out he's doing his entrance he walks into Lollipop's cage and to be in a note in PW Torch Sandman kissing the TNA dancer Lollipop was scripted and there are now plans for him to kiss additional women even some in the crowd Sandman was said to be happy with this idea oh he fucking was as he feels it will add a new layer to his character
2: Alright, okay, there's two aspects here. Uh, Obviously, you know, I think Lollipop should have higher standards for herself, but, to be fair, she was into it. Fair Mm -hmm. enough, fair play. (sighs) Part two, yeah, I think does add an element to the Sandman's character, to be honest. I think it makes a dude who doesn't look very cool, look very cool. So fuck it, go ahead, the Sandman, make these women horny while you smoke your cigarettes and swill your beer and throw your fucking weapons. Um, While well, you smash
0: that beer can off your head and then bleed and then you kiss some women and then you throw beer down people's throats. His entrances are a spectacle, to be fair.
2: I, I love his rip-off uh, Enter Sandman theme. It's mm-hmm. pretty great. Fucking get a shirt that fits, you fucking degenerate. That's about all I have to say about <laughs> fucking Sandman. What the fuck's wrong with you? It's a TNA shirt. You couldn't get one that fit? There were probably a couple of them with the merch stand. And it had holes in it. You've been here a month. How do you have a shirt that has holes in it? That takes time.
0: His entire first entrance involves various smoking, drinking, and probably falling over, so I'm not surprised his shirts immediately have holes in them.
2: And, like, it doesn't even fit him.
0: (laughs) You were very angry at the Sandman shirt.
2: Yeah, because first he kissed Lollipop, and then I was like, it doesn't, he looks like shit! He's just jealous. Like, he doesn't look good here. Like, the Sandman has times where he looks like, ah, this is like this is the scumbag aura that you would go for. But, like, at this point, he just looks like someone's, you know, chain-smoking auntie.
0: <laughs> Are you going to attack uh, Mike Sanders like this as well for shots at Lollipop? <laughs> no. You've defended Mike Sland- Sanders, despite it. Mike, I was going to say Mike, Mike Sanders Mike Slanders, indeed. <laughs> despite his slander of Lollipop on these shows, so...
2: Sleep like with one eye open, gripping your pillow tight.
0: Raven wrestles Sandman in a Falls Count Anywhere match. It's pretty okay. <laughs> they come back the next week for Raven and Loki against Sandman and Steve Carino.
2: It was pretty nothing.
0: I don't know. My favorite part of that match is there's a moment where Loki goes for like a six-one-nine. He does the the tiger fan kick. He swings back into the ring, and Sandman just grabs him with the same war cane and does a cane leg, a Russian leg yeah. sweep, and like That's one. Good. Yeah, really cool spot. And two, just Sandman interacting with Loki.
2: Oh, every time Sandman interacts with, like, an AJ Styles or a Loki, it's mind-boggling, but it's also super interesting. Mm. And like we said in the watch long too, um, I will take random plunder main event over boring three-and-a-quarter-star qu- main event NWA match every time. So, like... Having the Sandman come out here and wrestle Raven in a plunder match and doing this plunder tag match, yeah, 100% will take over the alternative. Yep. Um, There was also a really fun part where Raven throws Sandman off a balcony and we just don't see it, and then the camera goes over the end and he just fell, like, six feet. Mm. (laughs) And you're
0: just like, oh. And uh, I thoroughly respect that he just abandons all willingness to protect his body immediately in TNA.
2: There was a moment in the the AJ-Sandman match where Raven comes in and interferes to help AJ win, and AJ is setting up a second rope-stars clash on Sandman I'm like, this is a horrible idea. This should never have made it past this stage. And then he does it, and Sandman lands exclusively on his knee, and it sounds disgusting. Yeah. Fair play to him. I mean, yeah, he looks like he's having a great time, and that (laughs) I can respect. I, did, I actually I enjoyed the AJ Sandman match. I thought it was pretty good. I did, too. I thought it was really fun. It's just a silly
0: AJ Plunder match.
2: And it's, again, like we said, it's just really cool to see these two people interact. And,
0: yeah, the, this uh, NWTNA paper number 34, the entire premise here was that Jarrett and Russo and Styles are in a bit of a love triangle. <laughs> Where, yeah. Yeah, Raven and Styles are jealous of the fact that the other is trying to get Russo's attention. So Russo books them in matches where Raven faces an X Division guy and Styles faces a hardcore guy. Styles faces Sandman. Raven faces Julio De Niro. Fun note about the Julio De Niro match Raven was meant to face Jimmy Yang, but Jimmy Yang refused to sign a basic contract with the company. It was apparently it would give him a bit of a null and a non compete, and he was like, hell no, I'm not signing a non compete just to do one match against Raven and get beaten. Yeah, fair enough. And as it turns out, Julio De Niro was just there. Like, like alright, Julio, you, you
2: do the match now. Well, so Russo just has booking power on the show now? <laughs> he had to earn it, like, three weeks ago, but now he's like, yeah, hey, alright, I'll make the matches. He does frame it, to be fair, as like, oh, if those
0: NWA punks have any, you know, balls, they'll make these matches. So it's not like he makes the matches, he is like, those NWA guys will have to make the matches, and then they do. It's all
2: It's all fine, I guess. They should just like well. Also, to be fair, he he has he owns the contracts of half the roster at this point. I guess he could just leverage that to make any match he wants. So AJ
0: beats Sandman. DeNero beats or loses to Raven. Imagine if who yeah, De Niro,
2: De Niro <laughs> debuts and beats Raven.
0: And they're on a collision course for the love of Vince Russo. Aren't we all? Nah, aren't we all? Everyone on this show apparently is because this was also the show where Jarrett was like, "I love Russo." So.
2: And well, to be fair, Russo. Said he loved Jared first, so.
0: Which is what set off Raven and AJ, where they're like, "Wait a minute! First of all, there's the two of us fighting for your love, and now GF too."
2: Yeah, because like Raven's like, "I was supposed to be your ringer. I was supposed to be the ace here, man. And you've you've moved on from me to Jared, and now this little pipsqueak as well." So
0: that's most of Raven and Sandman. We did. I think we're most of the sex stuff down. Other than there's a bunch of Disco and Sanders stuff this month. Would you like to talk about that in depth?
2: Yeah, before we get into the Discord Santa stuff, I want to make note of one cool Raven promo in a in a month of not cool Raven promos.
0: Oh, then I will talk about the Raven promo that's really bad. That's fair. Start with the good one.
2: All right. Yeah, um, there was a really one that I thought was really cool. Um, I think it was on the episode where AJ and Sandman wrestled at the start, where um, Raven was outside with I th- was it like um, Sandman must die <laughs> uh, mm. painted on his uh, stomach. And he cuts a promo about um, the ECW feud and brings up Laurie and Sandman's kid and how um, there was the one time in life where he was happy and then Sandman took his family back. And I thought that was a really nice, cool callback because they could have just, you know, ignored it and just gone, oh, these guys are fused. But, like, this is a very personal feud beyond just, you know, it being Raven and Sandman who hate each other. So it was, it was a good callback to that. And a, and it provides a good reason of, like, of course the Sandman would come... And try and kill Raven in TNA because he has the opportunity to get to him in TNA. He wasn't going to track him down in WWE, but he can do it here. Yeah, and I think there's... Because there's a line
0: there that we're, we're always giving out about how much WCW and WWF ever talked about on the show. And, like, you could extend that to now they're talking about ECW, too. Sure. But it does inform an actual feud happening on the show between actual people having wrestling matches. It's not just, we're going to give out, we're going to have J.J. Dillon and Vince Russo talk for 10 minutes about the death of WCW in a way that's not going to pay off in any way. J.J. Dillon's just going to disappear. They're never going to wrestle. It's really just a vehicle for 10 minutes of TV that has Vince Russo being utterly bored. And here it's like you know they're giving you the story of why these people hate each other why Sandman is showing up to chase Raven and giving you a reason to care about these two wrestling
2: yeah it's like um when they do the interrogators segment with Sandman and they're like are you here for like Vince Russo? or whatever and he's like oh, I don't really care about any of that I'm here exclusively for Raven
0: yeah he's just a wild man who smokes drinks and hits Raven with candlesticks.
2: sticks yeah Raven fucked with my family a decade ago I'm here to fuck people up Mm. Less than a decade. So
0: Gilberti is, as we mentioned, a head of character development as opposed to <sighs> Mike Sanders. I love these goofs who is head of recruitment. And as you mentioned, like these two are just being goons on this TV show as lower card jobbers who lose matches and do skits. And that is their role, and that is good.
2: Yeah, I, I kinda love them together. At one point, when Russo leaves, he puts uh, Sunny Siaki in charge as the ace in the hole, and there was one re- I like, I adored this backstage segment with Desire, Sonny Siaki, Gilberti, and Sanders, where at first they're like, why should we listen to you? And then Desire's like, because you put him in charge! And then <laughs> they're like, alright, what do you want us to do, boss? <laughs> and I was like, alright, these dorks are great together. Yeah,
0: and there's like, sex power struggles going on now, because- Every time Russo's not there, Siaki is in charge, and everyone else is upset about this. And
2: Except Desire. Desire is very pro-Siaki being in charge.
0: Or Loki, who is just doing like pull-ups on the rafters while everyone is giving out to <laughs> so each other. So just call him Spider-Man. <laughs> so, there's, I think, is it my favourite segment of the month? No. But there's a segment where they're looking at a calendar backstage. <laughs> Or, if you notice, the calendar is actually Juventud Guerrera's personal calendar that he produced with his own money and had been trying to sell at Mexican newsstands. (laughs) So, Gilberti is looking at this juice calendar, being like, oh, you see, this is the kind of guy we could get behind. (laughs) Uh,
2: What's his name? Hulai. This is a calendar, it says July!
0: Oh, yeah. I like them as goons. Not them trying to be cool. Yeah. Not them trying to yeah. dress in fatigues and be tough guys. Not them doing jive talking with disco and, like, hearkening back to the good old days.
2: Yeah, no, this is so much better. Like, they're all great here, and um, they're great whenever, like, one of them's on commentary about the other wrestles, too. Mm. Just a couple of goons. And
0: they then, later in the month, have an interview with Mike Tanay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I think we should, before we go into the content of it, I think we should go into the behind-the-scenes aspect of it, because that's it's way funnier.
0: According to the Wrestling Observer, apparently the version that aired was the fifth take, and this time they kept doing it over because Tine carved them up too badly on the first take, and they closed the gap until it was fairly even by take five. <laughs>
2: I like how they had to keep, like, building their arguments and then they took the bits that they were like, alright, that's pretty good. And then, like, by the time they got to the fifth way around, they had enough content to fire back.
0: It's like, today just massacred them so badly that they're like, we gotta do it again. And then today
2: still massacres them. It's like, guys, we gotta do it again. And, like, what it basically boils down to in the end is just two guys screaming over one guy. Mm. But the fact that, like... He keeps um, composure the entire time tonight. Like, if I'm in that scenario, I'm getting just as worked up as Gilberti and Sanders, and I'm like, well, fuck you guys too, you know? Like, But he just sits there, and he just nods, and he just hits them with these cold one-liners out of nowhere. Yeah, because, like, Gilberti's... Why have all these people
0: abandoned wrestling over the last few years? And then Mike tonight, just, coolly... You know what, did you ever think it's because of this sports entertainment bullshit that so
2: many people have abandoned wrestling over the last few years? And Gilberti's like, shut up! And But he's like, yeah, you're in this wrestling bubble, you know? Everything you like is wrestling. And he's like, that's not true at all. And He's like, like alright, shit, well, we got nothing for that. You know what? I understand that
0: wrestling has to develop and move on, and that there is a balance between this sports entertainment and this pro wrestling. There is a middle
2: ground between the two extremes. And then he's like... Oh. I really wish we could see the first one. <laughs> I also really want to see the first one of the Conan interview as well. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a sec. I did hate the freaking disco line where he's like
0: you guys had traditional wrestling it's like
2: no we didn't no, there was never there was one month we had one month of a traditional wrestling show mm. and it was the best month <sighs> god you were on most of the shows <laughs> <laughs> you introduced the dub cup you were in that segment
0: you should know that we didn't have traditional wrestling we never did, and if we did, it was a brief reprise from nonsense. We had the Dups and freaking the Johnsons and Puppet, but Puppet was good, <laughs> and the Bruce. Are okay, you insinuating <laughs> that, that uh, the Dubs weren't? <laughs> Well, to be fair, they were too, except, you know, the, the Dubs did jump the shark for the second dub Cup match. The first one's a masterpiece. Mm,
2: mm,
0: in, in typical wrestling fashion, they went back to them well. <laughs> uh, the well. The other Mike Sanders-Gilberti segment I think worth mentioning is we have the debut this month, debut and only appearance, of Jonah from Tough Enough. Yeah! He debuts, Mike Tenay does a sit-down interview with him. He talks about his experience on Tough Enough. Again, that Tanae backstage interviews format is probably best for a guy who's, like, green. He's not a great promo, but Tanae can carry him through it, and it works. And then they have a match <laughs> where Mike Sanders begins the match by offering Jonah a place in sex. Oh, yeah, with this. <laughs> and he oh, does so the same way he did with Sonny Siaki when he offered him Desire. I got a woman for you, eh? Yes, he has an unnamed woman who was brought in, as P.W. Torch mentions, specifically with the idea that she would bare her breasts. She is a stripper friend of
2: Raven's. I bet, I bet Raven has a lot of stripper friends. Seems like that kind of guy. Uh,
0: I love this bit from Dave Meltzer in The Observer. He worked with Sanders and lost when an unidentified pair of breasts teased escaping from a woman's shirt. There was no teasing. <laughs> And Jonah had to act like he had never seen a pair before when it's common knowledge he had. How do you know, Dave?
2: <laughs> yeah, what the fuck, Dave? Did you send a message to Jonah and go, "Hey, man, you seen some titties before"? <laughs> Dave did his due diligence there. He, he, you know, journalistic integrity. <laughs> God, Dave. Also, yeah, I, I resent this teased escaping from a woman's shirt line <laughs> when they escaped from this woman's shirt. Yep, especially when, according to PW Torch,
0: she was brought there with the express idea that she would show her boobs.
2: Yeah, uh, she seemed. I don't know I don't know if she enjoyed this experience or not yeah I can't imagine she did you
0: commented that like she looked like she didn't want to be there and then moments later (laughs) she shows her boobs
2: so ironically that was the moment where she looked like she was having the most fun so
0: Mm, maybe she was building up the anticipation storytelling
2: Mm. Uh, my man Mike Sanders taking a shot at my girl lollipop didn't appreciate that uh, aspect of this but
0: hey oh yeah she she, she said that this woman I can't remember the exact verbiage but is much better than lollipop
2: yeah.
0: I believe he used some derogatory term toward lollipop as well, which I'm sure upset you.
2: It did thoroughly. Oh and I
0: actually I wrote down the quote. Never mind. That oh, was great. It's it's actually not that bad. It's like she puts the lollipop girl to shame.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, um all Sanders has to do is just insult her taste in men, clearly.
0: God, we're still on sex. The last sex thing of the <laughs> month. Maybe not even the last. We had the on air debut of Tenacious Z, Zach Gowan. Yep. He defeated B.G. James in his debut. If you don't know, Tenacious E. Zach Gown would go on to wrestle on WWE television and have a, a notable feud with Vince McMahon. But Z lost his left leg at the age of eight to osteogenic sarcoma, bone cancer, which began in his thigh and could have spread to his vital organs had he kept his leg, so he needed his leg amputated. He said he originally he was originally inspired to become a wrestler when Hulk Hogan visited him in a hospital as part of a make a wish while going through his cancer treatment. He, he, later, he said... He decided to actually become a wrestler to impress a girl. Yeah. In a quote with Mike Sempervivi of the PW Torch. I remember when I was in high school and all day every day I would just think about wrestling. He joked that he attempted to impress the girl didn't work because girls for some reason aren't very impressed with pro wrestling. (laughs) Fair enough. So his attempt to woo a woman by becoming a pro wrestler didn't work. But he is a pretty darn good pro wrestler. Fair play to him.
2: Yeah. You know that uh, McMahon viewed as incredibly uh, memorable. Probably Mm -hmm. for the wrong reasons, but, you know, Mm -hmm. it's uh, definitely a feud that uh, stood the test of time. It sure did. (laughs) So, you know, fair play. Zack Rowan is cool.
0: Yeah, he beats BG in a, a good match crowd going out. So he does, like, springboard moonsaults. He does, like, missile drop kicks. It's all really cool. The next month he, or next week, he comes back. He, him, Ron Killings, and Jorge Estrada defeat Sanders, Gilberti, and BG. And it is a, a fun note. They they were, like, super behind Sanders. They were lining up media. They were lining up, like, the USA Today and the Best Damn Sports Show to do features on him.
2: Oh, on, uh, on Gowan, not Sanders, I assume.
0: Oh, did I say Sanders? Yes, <laughs> Zach Gowen. WWE had no interest in Mike Sanders. So yes, they were lining up all this media for Zach Gowen, not Sanders. Nah. And WWE uh, swooped in and signed so. up. <laughs> because TNA offered him a contract and he didn't like accept it. And they were like, oh no, why isn't he accepting it? Turns out WWE had already offered him a contract.
2: Well, which is like, you know, fair enough.
0: Yeah, you can't begrudge this dude going to WWE over TNA at this point. Mm. And especially, you can't begrudge this dude anything.
2: Yeah, do whatever you gotta do, man. Make your money. And again, like we said, you know, it's very, you know, controversial angle and storyline with Vince, but legitimately a storyline that has stood the test of time. And it's the thing people will remember. Yeah, so, fair enough. He made his um, imprint in the business. And also Brock Lesnar killing him was pretty fun. Yeah. But um, you have to wonder, like, what kind of insane angles vince russo would have come up for zach gowan oh
0: god it would have been like for as like shaky as the vince stuff was the vince russo stuff would have been so much worse
2: it probably would have been the exact same feud but with vince russo oh god oh no (laughs) Mm.
0: all right i think we've done all the sex stuff (laughs) finally I think after nearly an hour and a half of this podcast, we have finally finished every sex thing that happened on these shows. And even like we haven't, there's a bunch of stuff in the other divisions that's also sex.
2: <laughs> an hour and a half of foreplay.
0: Oh, dearie me. Let's move. We had a bunch of debuts, as we mentioned, and returns in a couple of f- fashion. We had Vader debut, we had Sandman debut, we had Eric Watts debut, we had Steve Carino return, we had Paul London debut. Yeah! We had JJ Dillon debut and Hoovy debut. We'll talk about a couple more of those in a second. Uh, Paul London, nice to see a young, exciting wrestler on these shows again.
2: Yeah, um, he he definitely feels like he is taking the AJ position of a year ago.
0: Yeah, it's it's very unfortunate that like he comes into TNA and you know he signs with the Fed like four months later. So it's...
2: Yeah, WWE just continues to ruin everything.
0: Anything good in TNA has to be taken away. Which, like, Dave Meltzer kept on banging on about that while the company was being formed. It's like, if you have anybody who gets any amount of buzz or any amount of hype, WWE are just going to come in and take them. And that's what happened. WWE came in and took Zach Gowen. WWE came in and took Paul London. And when you don't have people signed to contracts, that's what happens.
2: Mm. And it sucks because, like, you know, it's been discussed a thousand times, but, like, it feels like if London... Had have stuck around doing his ROH, doing his TNA, he probably would have ended up in a better position than he ended up in after going to the Fed for his Fed Run.
0: Sure did. It's a sad. It's sad. It's just sad. <laughs> but also, again, you can't blame the guy for taking the the deal. And he, like, he didn't have a terrible WWE run, as we mentioned in the watch along no. as well. Like His WWE run was pretty good. The London and Kendrick stuff is memorable. So it's not all like... It's not like just horror. It's not the Frankie Kazarian WWE run where it's like, oh, you just did nothing.
2: But it's a guy that you felt could have reached those same levels as your Danielsons and your Punks and your, your Styles and your Joes and all that kind of stuff. But mm. never really got the opportunity to grow into that kind of worker. Unfortunately not. Kind of felt like he lost his cred too after he left
0: it's because he's a traitor
2: yeah <laughs> just like aj styles
0: Yeah, okay, aj waited long to go there though so we had i think the best stuff of the month
2: conan yeah um conan is fantastic he is far and away the highlight of like all of these
0: shows because the very first show of the month conan does the sit down interview with mike Taney, and it's basically the good version of the vince russo sit down interview with mike Taney because he came prepared so Conan has this sit-down interview with Mike Tanae. As You mentioned there's a note in the show notes about how just thoroughly prepared for this Conan was. By all accounts, he spent the entire day getting ready, studying notes. They did a first take, but by all accounts, was even better than the second one, but was too long, so they, they reshoot it. I don't know why they didn't just edit it, but sure.
2: I want to see, again, I want to see that first cut really badly, because this ruled the second cut, so yeah.
0: When we were watching the Vince Russo one, we said, like, there's a good version of this. Where it's, like, focused on a story, or it's not, like, inside baseball, or it's actually, like, advancing character stuff and advancing story stuff and building to matches. And this was that. Conan sits down at my Tene, and they're basically talking for, like, five straight minutes about racism in wrestling. So Conan is, like... Look at all these Latin American and Hispanic talent who are are succeeding in boxing and succeeding in baseball, and like all of the demographics that traditionally appeal have been turned upside down. It's like Tiger Woods is the most successful golfer, Eminem is the most successful rapper. So like the world is a different world than pro wrestling is treating it as. Whereas pro wrestling is just stuck in the past. It's like just a bunch of generic white dudes. Like there couldn't be a greater. Testimony to Conan's point that this month of TNA ends with the fail sons of Brian Lawler, yeah. David Flair, and Eric Watts. Thoroughly mediocre white men who are sons of successful fathers getting opportunities that they have probably no right to over people who are much better than them. And Conan's just sitting there at the start of the month being like, well, oh, I told you so.
2: Just a compelling speaker, you know? And it always helps when something's rooted in. Reality too.
0: And it starts where Mike Taney is like kind of pushing back and kind of like, you know, skeptical of things he's saying because he says like outright, it's like, oh, Jerry Jarrett, Vince McMahon, and Eric Bischoff are racist. And you can see like a bit of Mike Taney wanting to push back on that, but like after Conan talks for the next minute straight, Mike is just like, no, I can't challenge him.
2: Yeah, the only one he challenges is on is then he
0: goes, and you're racist too, Mike Taney. Yeah, he's like, no, wait a minute, I've, I've been advocates for these kind of talents for years and years, which, to be fair, he was. That's like the big recurring joke in WCW. It's like, oh, it's a luchador or Japanese wrestler in the ring. Time to get Mike Tane on commentary to tell you
2: actually who this
0: person is, because he's the only person that cares to find out.
2: I do like, um, there's like a level of begrudging uh, respect that Conan gives tonight as well. Mm. Uh, which is, I think is a, you know, a nice touch. Uh, because it would have felt disingenuous if he just went full in on today as well. I f- I'd feel
0: and like today, Tanae, today's like there is the, like the the fact checker. It's like he's like who sold out Mexico Arena for with fifty two thousand fans or whatever it was. It's like that was you who was in this this soap opera where they, we were sitting in a restaurant together and suddenly it came on TV and everyone started paying attention to Conan on this soap opera, which is apparently a true story where everyone like that soap came on TV with Conan and everyone was like ooh Conan, um, and that was you.
2: My favorite line about today there was like. He just comes up and he's like, yeah, even the cooks came out from the kitchen to watch. Yeah. Imagine being that
0: over. I know. I, I, I'll i never understand it personally because I know Conan's
2: terrible. <laughs> but look. it's. I mean, it's all charisma, you know, more than, than actual ability, isn't it? If it's like, star power is a whole different thing.
0: Bad wrestlers become stars all the time, which is always the reason people are giving out. It's like, that guy doesn't have it. It's like, if you book anybody the right way, you can probably make anybody a star.
2: Yeah, if they have the charisma to handle it and the composure to handle it. Mm. You're pretty much set. You can make anyone you want a star. Like, I think that's the reason... Yeah, They need to have, like, the mainstream appeal. If you got that, yes, you're fine, you know? Like, there's a reason, like, MGF is gonna work for AEW, and there's a reason that Orange Cassidy's already worked for AEW, because these are guys that are marketable and that a mainstream audience can understand.
0: And a thing fans do all the time now, which I really don't like, and it's I think it's, it comes from the fact that nobody's over. But... They find the reasons why people shouldn't be pushed. It's like, yeah. this person's the best wrestler ever, but they're not charismatic. It's like, well, give them a manager. Give them a character where they're the best wrestler ever, and they don't need to be charismatic.
2: Don't just write them off because of these problems. Try and work around these problems so that you have a star. Yeah, it's
0: the the Paul Heyman credo that's been beaten to the ground, but is still nonetheless true. It's like, accentuate the positives and hide the negatives. It's really that simple. Yeah and it's like it's the opposite of what WWE do where like WWE have this mold where if you cannot go out and cut a 15 minute promo, you will not make it there no matter who you are no matter how talented you are no matter how charismatic you are if you can't hold a microphone in your hand in that company for 15 minutes and do their historic delivery you won't make it and it's so stupid
2: yeah you're not wrong
0: ugh so Conan continues through the month he recruits the SAT as his pals for like a week if we get like a week long SAT heel turn
2: yeah which is great. Uh, we also got to I don't know if it was mentioned probably was uh the greatest line of all time is that the wrestling fans are racist. Oh yes, wrestling promoters and wrestling fans are racist. Uh advocating for that to be added to the intro just for this week. <laughs>
0: we'll add it for one week only if I can fit yeah.
2: it in. <laughs> If you can fit wrestling fans are racist in. You don't need to put in the promoters. I just want wrestling fans (laughs) are racist in the intro. You demand it. So yeah, Jerry
0: Lynn beats the SATs in a triple threat match.
2: A good match too. I thought it was a really fun little match. I thought the match was fine but forgettable. Ah, well... God forbid I like a match that Garrett doesn't. This is me
0: getting revenge for you shitting on the Dusty Invader tagging.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Damn. But we do
0: build to, I think, a much better match later in the month where Conan introduces Juventud Guerrera, the juice, to face Jerry Lynn. By the way, we must say, the, the entire premise of this feud, which probably should have mentioned, is that Conan is very mad that the X Division has stolen the style and of wrestling and all the spots and the moves of Lucha Libre and co-opted it as their own and branded it as their own. They gentrified it. So Conan is upset about this and he wants uh, the, the luchadors to get the credit that they deserve.
2: It's a cool little storyline. Um, I do have to admit that it kind of feels like a demotion for Jerry Lynn. Mm. Well, to be fair, for the last few weeks he's been feuding with David Flair and Mike Sanders Yeah, but it still felt like he was a part of the big overarching sex versus tradition feud Now it feels like, alright, back to the exhibition nerd
0: I think that's a conscious choice on there. Pro- Actually, to be fair, Jerry Lynn does cut a promo on these shows about how he's going back to the X Division, so... <laughs> <laughs> he is consciously going back to the X Division, but I think I think they realize Siaki's a bit of a dud, which we'll talk about in a sec, and the X Division needs some people, because they took everybody out of it, and now they realize, yeah. oh god, there's nothing left,
2: we have to put Jerry back there for a while. But you know what I mean, Like it feels like a bit of a step down. But he has a great match for Toofy. Sure does, and there's it, it a really interesting part where it's like... Um... It does kind of feel like you know, the guys, uh, each other are like you know the same side of the coin or whatever. Like it's like oh yeah, Jerry Lynn and Hoovy, and they're kind of doing the the same stuff, and it's a fun little dynamic. Mm. So that's Conan. Probably as I said, it's the best thing this
0: month. I think by landslide, both in terms of it has the second best match. I think Hoovy and Jerry Lynn is the best second best match behind AJ and Jarrett, and it has far and away the best promo stuff with Conan.
2: I also think it's um an interesting take that uh, on the program. Uh, I think it was tonight he says the X-Division is back and I'm like don't admit that it was gone (laughs)
0: listen we talked about how bad the wrestling was in January (laughs) we could acknowledge that
2: (laughs) (laughs) and we have Paul London now we have new X-Division champion Mm -hmm. and we have Jerry Linton
0: while we're on the X-Division we will move on to the X-Division as you mentioned new X-Division champion Kid Cash defeated Sonny Siaki this month to win the belt in a pretty good match I thought it was probably Siaki's best match since winning the belt
2: Where he almost
0: died. Yeah. So the finish is Cash is standing on the top rope facing Siaki and he does the thing where he does like the the spin on the top and then does a moonsault. The spin on the top went fine, planted his feet fine, went to do the moonsault, his right foot slipped. So he goes straight up and straight back down, right, I think thankfully, on the top of his neck, which I think is what saves him from dying.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, weirdly enough,
0: yeah. If you watch him go down, he does land like right high angle on the top of his neck. It's a miracle he didn't break his neck. But if he landed on his head, he would have broken his neck.
2: Yeah, uh, just just a really rough landing for my man. Um, in an otherwise yeah, like you said, really good fun match with Siaki. Um, I'm very happy that Cash is the X Division champion because it um he's probably like the best guy there at the moment for that for that role. So hell yeah, let's get some um, kid Cash. Some cool kid cash exhibition matches, please.
0: Hmm. So, Cash goes on to defend the belt twice that month against Jason Cross and against uh Paul London. Paul London, bizarrely, who got the title shot despite losing the Gauntlet match.
2: Well, they they stopped caring about it. Yeah, <laughs> because like Cross just came back and got a match as well. So, well, at least I can
0: I can kind of understand, even though he didn't he lose the David Young in his last match.
2: Uh, yeah, I think like. It doesn't matter anymore. It's just, we've, we've reached that point in the exhibition where we're just, hey, ah, you can have a match.
0: Yeah, because there was a gauntlet on NW18APAV number 32, February 12, where Jerry Lynn defeated London, both Maximals, Jimmy Rave Sharkboy, David Young, and Tony Mama Luke in a match that got 10 minutes and it was an elimination match. So literally everybody just did 40 seconds. There's a fun note in The Wrestling Observer with eight guys, they gave them 10 minutes, including ring intros, for what amounted to seven singles matches. Dave then buries the idea. Lynn had to lay the match out with literally everyone getting one-minute matches, so they would rush and hit a finish. As it turned out, they had 90 seconds left for Lynn and London, which was what it was booked for. Then they got word that the show was running five minutes short, so they got to go five minutes, uh, five six and a half minutes instead of 90 seconds. Dope. So you got a, a kind of real Paul London against Jerry Lynn match by accident,
2: <laughs> but it was good, and um, the crowd seems into London. So.
0: and yeah by all accounts the the design of this match was that jerry lynn would try to make london a defeat which thoroughly would not have worked in a 90 second match and kind of did work in like the the six and a half minute match
2: yeah i also think um in the the cash match that they have as well they go for a similar kind of thing and i think it works it honestly feels like the end of that match is setting up london teaming with cash and trinity mm, pals which i which i think is a cool group of people yeah so cash
0: retains against london and then retains against cross bringing the ex-division back to some sense of stability like these matches are aren't like patches on the best ex-division matches you you won't remember them you won't be like when we're six years deep in this podcast you will not be like remember that kid cash paul london match mm. but you know they're nice little matches on shows that don't really have nice little matches
2: <laughs> it's good to have them there and i look forward to maybe um some bigger cash matches with the guys like uh, that always get their shots like Red and Lin I assume eventually
0: yeah the big issue with Red is he's in Japan a lot so
2: as is Daniels and Key and Skipper
0: which is a perfect segue to a very confusing month for the tag team division
2: <sighs> yeah um, you would say confusing I would say bad <laughs>
0: Like, I'm confused because the month opens with a a tag title match between the New Church and Triple X, in which the belts are held up because of a double pinfall, the most ridiculous, terrible double pinfall you'll ever see in your
2: life. It looks awful. So
0: Slash and, I think, Skipper are in one corner doing something, and then Loki starts pinning Brian Lee on, like, a quick roll-up thing, and he sits there for, like, 15 seconds. While (laughs) Andrew Thomas gets down into position to count and doesn't start counting because the finish is a double pinfall and the other two aren't in position yet. So Loki is just sitting there pinning the giant Brian Lee for like 15 seconds before Slash finally gets on top of Skipper and then Rudy, Charles, and Andrew Thomas count three simultaneously and do the double finish. It's so, like, impossibly badly timed. You know, sometimes they're like, oh, it's a little off," or you know, you can let him away with it. Like, there was a good 10 seconds between the first pinfall and the he second him pinfall. He beat three times
2: in that time period.
0: He could have beat him three times! And they didn't count because the finish was a double pinfall. It's like so comically badly timed.
2: Lee should have just kicked out and they should have just gone to another roll up or something. Ugh.
0: I was very confused then because later in the <laughs> month, they do this tournament through the month where AMW become number one contenders. They beat uh, the Rock and Roll Express and they beat the Harris Bros. And then they kind of, on the last show of the month, talk as if Triple X are still tag team champions. <laughs>
2: I guess they're like doing the whole thing as like they never lost the belts technically thing that they do in wrestling all the time.
0: I think the idea is that like Triple X are in the tag title match because they're champions. Yeah. So the, and like they're the ones that were stripped of the belts or the belts were vacated from them. So they're in the match. And then yeah. AMW win a number one contenders match. So it's meant to be Triple X, the former champions, against AMW, the number one contenders. But they talk on the last show as if Triple yeah, X are as if still champions. Yeah, just the champions. It's It's weird. And like, it's made very clear. Belts are held up. It's not like ambiguous. Bob Armstrong takes the belts. They announce them as
2: held up. I'm
0: so confused by the, all of this.
2: the announce table for half of the, the month.
0: While they were doing the quote unquote tournament. Did they just decide to give them back?
2: Yeah, that's, I don't know. I think we'll have to wait and see until next month. It's very, very strange. They're like,
0: the, yeah, the title match between Triple X and AMW doesn't happen until March. So they go a full month without tag
2: champs. But there's a lot of tag wrestling still.
0: Uh, not very good tag wrestling for the most part, though. Like, the, the most interesting thing is in that Triple X and New Church match, the New Church are full babyface, which is yeah. very fascinating. The crowd are chanting, let's go evil. Evil, evil, <laughs> evil. <laughs> they're like fans of 2021 New Japan, the amount they're chanting the word evil. How <laughs> <Aren't> we all? <laughs> they're probably chanting the word evil a lot more than tw- <laughs> 20 or 20. Well, I can fair. guarantee that they are. <laughs> clap crowds, so yes. Can, can you clap the word Evil. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, my favourite part of which is like Don West is like so amused by this idea that the new Churcher baby faces.
2: <laughs> he's like, he doesn't understand it, but then I love his justification for it a, a week later where he's like, you know what, I think I've worked out why the fans have decided decide with evil. Um, because, you know, they march to the beat of their own drum, you know, they're out there they, they they're all about them, you know. They're all about representing themselves, and they, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree with Don. So, yeah, and then they use a weapon in like the <laughs> last week, and the crowd was like, "Ah, do we cheer that?" But I guess they're evil, so they would do it. Use ah, uh, uh. we do not understand how to respond to this, but then they reluctantly go back to cheering. They're like, "Yeah, evil."
0: Yeah, otherwise, that's about it for the tag month. Like, AMW are kind of aimless. They become number one contenders, but as mentioned, because X aren't all there at any stage this month, other than the match where they like held up the tag titles for the rest of the month, Loki is there, but Skipper and Daniels aren't. And as mentioned, at the last show of the month, Skipper is there, but Daniels and Loki aren't. So they don't have the tag champs, which we mentioned, like, last month, like, Loki apparently commented, like, why did they put the tag titles on us when they knew we were going to Japan? Like, they knew this would happen.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I guess they really wanted to establish Triple X.
0: Sure did.
2: It's the best part of sex.
0: They should have made, like, Freebird rule, but it's all of sex, not just Triple X.
2: <laughs> yeah, we get Mike Sanders and Loki defending the titles.
0: That would have fixed the problem immediately. We all, The Hot Shots returned again.
2: Oh, yeah. And they went straight into a feud with their old rivals, and I rolled my eyes and barely paid attention to the match.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's the rule of TNA that the Hot Shots have to disappear for three months at a time. They show up, do an angle, lose the AMW, and disappear again.
2: Who are they pals with? They're in sex now. No, but I mean, like, backstage. Oh, they're just local guys. Okay, that's the reason they keep getting brought back randomly. They're just around, I'd imagine. I was like, are they just, like, Russo guys, or...?
0: Because, like, this is a tag division that is, like, not very deep at all. They do bring back Diamond and Swinger as we mentioned, this month as well. They're doing, like, an ECW thing with Sandman. But other than that, like, there's not a ton of teams. There's the New Church, there's Triple X, and there's AMW, and, like, the Harris Bros. And, I guess, Rock and Roll Express. Which is the reason they always, like, just get the hot shots in. We need someone to lose AMW again.
2: Mm, Yeah, it's a weird one.
0: Mm, Every time, as you mentioned, every time I see them and they jump AMW,
2: it's like, oh, God, this again? (laughs) Don's like, ah, you know that they use... Yes, we know, Don! we're aware of the story we haven't forgotten the
0: like three previous times they've randomly appeared to jump AMW and lose to them
2: it's like if um if like AJ beat up Jerry Lynn and like don't like hey you know they have a have a history remember that rivalry
0: remember where every week they'd have at least one match and occasionally three (laughs) so that is broad topics for the month so much sex sex is everywhere
2: sex sells
0: that's what I mean. My big problem with the sex feud—it just—it's just everywhere. It's just unavoidable.
2: Yeah, it's all over the place.
0: Um, so let's go show by show. We'll start with NWA pay per view number thirty-one from the Asylum in Nashville, Tennessee, February fifth, two thousand three, with eleven hundred people there. It opens with Larry Zabisco holding the NWA title, which I think I'd be on board with if there was actually a Larry Zabisco nostalgia run. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I was a little confused by this whole bit at the start, and I was like, wait, wh- who stole the title at the end? <laughs> I'm confused.
0: Oh, yeah, because Raven stole it, but then lost it, but then Jared got it back, but then Styles stole it, and now it's with Zabisco.
2: Yeah, I was like, I was like having to recall that in my head the whole time. Like, wait, I hear it, I hear I
0: hear the chain of property. My favourite part of this was Jarrett was like, you give me that back that title or I'll take it out of your ass. And then Larry's Abisko. Out of my ass? <laughs> aghast. He's like, out of my ass? Not out of my hands?
2: <laughs> I love Larry's zabisco
0: <laughs> He's really good. You mentioned that he would like fit in like a glove, this Larry's Abisko on AEW, and he really would.
2: Mm. Who would you put him with?
0: I, like, I said, is he good Tully Lanchard? <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, I think he'd be it'd be better in the Tully role to be honest.
0: If if MJF couldn't talk, I think he'd go really well with him, MJF. Yeah. But MJF can talk. Put him
2: with put him with the war dog.
0: Oh yeah. Larry's abisco managing wardlow.
2: Do that now anyway. <laughs> Who cares? There was a backstage
0: segment where BG was giving out to his dad and his mic cut out again. Yeah, and the crowd cheered. <laughs> it did. And I was like, Maybe this is just active sabotage. It's like anytime BG's on the screen we're afraid he's gonna say a slur of some sort. Which he kind of does a couple times this month.
2: (laughs) I I like to imagine, here, fuck you, won that $50, huh? I'm going to fuck with your mic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: I never talked about my bad
2: Raven promo. Oh, yeah, talk about your bad Raven promo.
0: So on this show, Raven comes out, and he's cutting the promo on AJ. And it's the most, like, flowery, poetic, nonsense, fake Bray Wyatt language you've ever heard in your life.
2: Well, to be fair, that was it, that... That is Raven. Like, I don't want to give Bray Wyatt credit for that. Like, that mm-hmm. Raven invented that shit. So much so that
0: I, I wrote down, I transcribed his promo. <laughs> oh, are you
2: going to perform it right now? I'm going to perform Raven's promo. Do it as Raven. Please try and get the, the voice. You do realize that you are a mere gardener in the
0: live yard of life, while I, I walk a different road, a road of horror, A narrow road with no turns that only the bravest men would dare travel. Pain. Pain is a bridge on that road carrying the traveller over dark waters of deceit and scorn. Debt. A debt incurred on this road is a lifelong bond. A hunger to be satiated. It is a debt of blood and it requires sacrifice. It sounds more like James Mitchell. (laughs) It requires sacrifice. Your sacrifice, AJ Styles. I was like, dude, dude, just take it down a notch, okay? You're not Edgar Allan Poe, no matter how hard you try.
2: He also just sounds bored the whole time too while he does it. So he'd be like, "This road, they go down the road, and then and the, I'm the gardener on the road, and I am uh, the raven, and I am the darkness, and I, I am the death, I am the reaper standing at the end of the road, and in my clockwork orange house of fun. Coe the raven, nevermore." He clearly got lost down that road while he was trying to cut this promo. <laughs> He's like, I'm going down the road and... Oh, fuck. What was that for? I'm at the road. (laughs) Road dog? Is that where I'm going here? Road dog!
0: (laughs) You're saying all these slurs. (laughs) There is two ravens. There is the raven that has something like substantial to sink his teeth into. And then he's like one of the best promos in wrestling. And there's the raven that doesn't really have much going on. So he's just sent out there to say something. And he decides to fill that time with utter gibberish.
2: Well, you see it in this month. When he has nothing, he does that. And when he's feuding with an old rival, the Sandman, he has so much stuff to draw on that he delivers a really great promo.
0: Mm.
2: Maybe we just don't get it. Get the genius.
0: <laughs> we don't. It's just too highbrow. It's, it's too galaxy brain for us to comprehend.
2: Mm. Like Bray Wyatt. Maybe that's why we don't like Bray Wyatt.
0: <laughs> we have a great month for motion graphics. Yeah. There's one where, like, David Flair is trying to look menacing, and then he underlines the sex on his shirt. <laughs> the Sandman one is tremendous, where he's just smoking. Yeah, it's a great one. Motion graphics. Why don't that, Why doesn't everybody do motion graphics? Bring them back. They really should. I think that's all the notes I have from the show. I think we covered everything else. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they called it Operation Sex. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Their big military operation was Operation Sex.
2: Oh, we got to give um, the big note for Trinity. Marvel Superstar Trinity appears in Daredevil as a stunt double for Jennifer Garner.
0: Yeah, Jennifer Garner's stunt double. That's a that's a big star. Why not? Oh, the, the even sadder note for Trinity, though, though, is Trinity has been telling friends that she's no longer dating Chris Devine of the Divine Storm tag team.
2: Yeah, because she's probably banging Kid Cash now. Have you seen the sexual chemistry?
0: Yeah, the poor guy loses his manager, loses his bookings, and loses his girlfriend.
2: <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Oh well, Trinity's a star, what can you say? That's true, she's in Daredevil Bad movie, but she's in it ah. She should have been in the MCU Daredevil Yeah As Elektra
0: They're bringing it back, they should bring her back Yeah, in Echo uh, We did the watch along for NWATNA pay-per-view number 32 So if you'd like our full detailed reactions To absolutely everything on that show Including the near death of Kit Cash Which I think got the biggest reaction out of us <laughs> This is just scary yeah, com. you can listen to our watch-along of that. The big one we haven't really covered yet, JJ Dillon.
2: It's so good that we have com, by the way, because, <laughs> like, it saves us going patreon.com slash history pod every time. It's patreon.com
0: slash kidding me, please.
2: Oh, sorry, I got our uh, Twitter <laughs> thing mixed up with it. But, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so much easier to just go tnachad.com.
0: And it pays off a podcast bit. What more do you want in the world?
2: Hmm. Utility and a bit. Yeah, J.J. Dillon showed up and... It, but the minute he showed up, Vince Russo just called him a piece of shit. <laughs> before he had got a word out about anything, Vince says like, Ah, you old piece of shit.
0: There is apparently heat for how this segment went. Because, like, before, as you mentioned, before J.J. Dillon could even cut his promo, like, Russo is lying in the ring faking to be asleep.
2: <laughs> Such True. a shit stirrer
0: treating it like it's boring burying poor J.J. Dillon and J.J.'s doing a pretty good promo even though they're they're like relitigating the same old WCW bullshit they've done a hundred times already but they're still like oh you know J.J. sounds authoritative he's the former like commissioner or on-screen authority figure or head of the championship committee I believe it was technically to use the right WCW ver- verbiage uh, back in the WCW days so like he's a famous WCW name and he's okay but Vince Russo just buries him in so many different ways
2: yeah I actually think Jerry's, sorry, JJ's quite uh, compelling when he speaks, though.
0: Yeah, he he, he he has the weight of a guy who's been in the business for ages. And he works for Jerry Jarrett's construction company, by the way, which is the where the connection huh. comes
2: in. It's probably why Vince buried him is because he's a Jerry guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you work for Jerry, I'm going to bury you. In the construction of the road <laughs> that the raven <laughs> is walking down. Mike today interviews David
0: Flair. Sure did. So this is the full Brian Lawler Daddy Issues promo again, just re-delivered from the perspective of David Flair, who's not a good promo and not a compelling interview, though he is fantastically dressed as a 2002 person, or, well, 2003, we'll give him credit. (laughs) Sure. He's dressed for the times, but, like, God, does this man look like just a shithead 2003 guy who has no talent. (laughs) Poor guy. For the month, we also had the debut of The Interrogators.
2: Yeah, I'm doing the pose right now. you doing the other pose? Who
0: are you, Mike or Don?
2: I I was Don in this because I went that way.
0: Oh, sorry, I, I have to stroke my chin then. I have to do like a chin stroke while you have your arms crossed. Visual gag on a podcast. Um, so the entire premise of this is Mike and Don interview a person for 60 seconds, rapid fire. So they're just like, what do you think of this person? Uh, pineapple on pizza, bloody... That's not a question. I'm using it as a... <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: we should do an interrogator bit where we interrogate each other.
0: <laughs> that's Patreon content right there. Yeah! <laughs> so here they start with Ron Killings, but the best part is the intro where it's like this... TV crime drama procedural where there are like two detectives who are going to solve the gritty crime but turns out the crime is stewed in their own past. Mm. It's great. It's really good, I love it.
2: We should just... I've actually realised what our Patreon content should be. We should just get assorted wrestling media personalities and we should interrogate them for a minute. (laughs) Alright, Rich Crate. Vacations, huh? (laughs) Where do you go? How do you pay for them?
0: If you listen to this show and you're a part of wrestling media, slide into our DMs on Twitter if you'd like to do an
2: interrogator's question segment. (laughs) They they will be as hard-hitting as the interrogator's segments are. So yeah, this opening one with Ron Killings, the
0: crux of which is that they ask him about are you going to join the sex and Ron Killings throws a bit of a fit and storms off the set of The Interrogators.
2: Yeah, they, they pay off the bit of someone storming off in the first episode.
0: It's like Marvel What If paying off the Watcher getting involved in the first season.
2: Well, yeah, they had to. Everyone wanted that. Every review I read was like,
0: why isn't the Watcher intervening yet? that's just lazy storytelling you're supposed to wait till like
2: season three for the watcher to intervene that's not getting a third season it probably won't get a
0: second because it was a bad show <laughs> so you might today did the interview with Jay Flair. a lot of people with daddy issues we've mentioned this yeah which brings us to nw paper number 33 unless you have anything else to say nope nw a paper number 33 february 19th from the asylum 1300 people there sold out for that big aj and Jarrett main event hot crowd uh, if you notice, the music that played over the opening video in the show was Chris Sabin's.
2: Yeah, okay. I did notice. I was like, is this Saban's theme? I'm mm. glad that that was confirmed. I was going to message you about it, but I was like, I'm pretty sure this is Sabin's theme.
0: Yeah, it's his original TNA theme. Cool. Very generic piece of music, honestly.
2: <laughs> it doesn't have the Hail Sabin bit in it.
0: So, Russo arrives with styles that it's suggesting that he is recruited him into sex. And, like, to be fair to Vince Russo, the man has the most tremendous smug face you'll ever see in your life.
2: It's like, listen, if it comes down to being a cocky piece of shit, Vince Russo nails it every time.
0: Yeah. She's a real... I will never
2: re- not... I will never not claim that Vince Russo can't be a cocky piece of shit. He's real good at it. Uh, Mike Tinei cut a promo on <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, he was really mad at him. It got him a traitor. <laughs>
0: He was, like, full-on furious that AJ would be, like, raised by tradition and given these opportunities by TNA and then betray TNA to go with Vince Russo.
2: To be fair, he kind of just got worked like a dumb idiot by Russo, so
0: <laughs> he's not wrong. We had a very bad match. A disgrace land against Boy.
2: <laughs> I didn't mind the old disgrace land, I have to say. My favourite
0: part of it was when it was over, Mike TNA was disgusted. He was like, how dare this? And Don West, just deadpan. I thought it was pretty funny, Mike. But it was also pretty disgraceful.
2: Ah, this guy.
0: Oh, good old Don. Very good.
2: I wish this was Dixieland versus Boy.
0: A very strange moment in the, the Raven promo you mentioned, where he does all the Sandman backstory. He mentions yep. that he's going to do the Clockwork Orange House of Fun match. Yep. But the fun gets bleeped. Yeah. I, is it because they thought he said House of Fuck? I think so because I was like because we watched the version on Impact Plus, so I went back and checked the original broadcast, and it's bleeped there too. It doesn't get a bleep, but like the sound drops, so
2: you can you can hear that he says "fun" with the bleep. That you can hear the mm, at the end.
0: Maybe they just saw that it was cut out and they're like, "Oh, he clearly said fuck."
2: But you can clearly hear him saying "fun." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it should be the clock out. Uh, the clo- a little clock, oh my god, I'm having am I? Ah, oh, I've forgotten everything. <laughs> Clockwork Orange, House of Fuck match.
0: Maybe that would be a better match.
2: Mm. I'm looking forward to the House of Fun portion of it.
0: We had our first winner from the NWATNA auction show up on the show. Yeah,
2: Yeah, not too bad. Very wordy. He was pretty
0: darn good, though, to be fair. Like, Lorenzo Papa, he interviewed Jerry Lynn. He's like, he was a good interviewer, because not only did he ask the questions, he actually sold it. He actually sold like he was paying attention to Lynn's answer.
2: Yeah, I like how um, Goldie tried to give him, like, props, and he was like, eh. Yeah, Goldie was like, great job! And, and he kind of, like, was like, okay. I don't need your validation, Goldie. I knew I did it. He's jealous. He wants to take Goldie's spot. Yeah, obviously.
0: There were two video packages on the show the setup AJ and Jar- or <laughs> Jarrett. The Jarrett one was, like, the biggest, like, this guy's the biggest hero of all time. Even though, like, yeah. the footage is of him, like, jumping people in behind and hitting them with chairs from, like, the first six yeah, months great. of TNA. But it's, like, framed as this guy is the hero of the company. What an upstanding individual this man is.
2: It also, like... Reminds me of how much bigger those early shows looked than these.
0: Mmm, they very much settled into the small feel of The Asylum.
2: But the AJ one is the best. Straight out of MTV, just AJ cutting promos, walking around a football field, <laughs> looking like a fucking piece of shit jock. It's great.
0: It's good stuff. Better than most of the video packages on these shows, which have these like bizarre horror overtones to them. <laughs> It's literally, it's just the music choices. Fair enough, they're all black and white too. So it's it's black and white plus the music choice. Where it's just like, why are these like straight out of like a Halloween movie? It's scary. DNA is spooky. Oh, the Jarrett Stahl's main event had one of my favourite Jeff Jarrett tropes. Actually, two of my favourite Jeff Jarrett tropes. There was first the single arm Jeff Jarrett kickout,
2: Which I think caused <laughs> some sort of... Twitter war between William Regal and Jeff Jarrett was that? Well, was that Regal tweet a subtweet? I think it was because it came out like twenty minutes after you posted it. <laughs> Where he was it like, was, it, no, it came out like twenty minutes after the Planet Jarrett podcast mm. quote tweeted it. So Yeah, where Regal was
0: like, oh, if you don't pin people or kick out with intensity or bloody blah people won't care. And it's like, yeah, that's this. Because if you've never seen a Jeff Jarrett main event, he does this, he does two versions of it, which is the reason I said both versions. There is, someone will pin him, and he will just stick his hand straight up in the air. Occasionally, he'll stick both hands
2: straight up in the air. <laughs> I think the one-on-one is much better than the both-on-one.
0: It makes more sense. Why would you try- kick both shoulders?
2: It makes Because like, it doesn't even like physically make sense. I just tried to do it, and my other arm wouldn't go up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, congratulations on starting Twitter beef.
0: <laughs> Between William Regal and Jeff Jarrett. I'm causing Twitter wars out here. I know which side you're on. Jeff followed <laughs> me on Twitter today.
2: Oh, time to come on the podcast.
0: I should, I'll DM him. Hey Jeff, come on the podcast, we can interview you want to talk
2: you. about Vince Russo?
0: <laughs> you can shoot, you can finally shoot and he can't respond.
2: You want to talk about Will and the other one that he called a freak?
0: <laughs> BJ, I believe.
2: You ever think about how, like, Will's, like, 30?
0: I think Will worked for TNA at one stage.
2: I think he was, like, a writing Holy assistant shit. at one stage. Wow. I wonder if he's better than his dad.
0: That's a vague memory in the back of my head. Don't quote me on that.
2: All right, everyone, quote that. <laughs> TNA expert historian has stated it. It is fact. Uh, you have anything else from the show? No. Um. Uh, Disgraceland, Sharkboy. Sharkboy got a run and then immediately lost to Disgraceland the next week. So I was like, what the hell?
0: It's very strange. He pinned both Maximals in the gauntlet the week before and then just got squashed by distra- by Disgraceland.
2: Yeah, it was, felt like some bullshit. Um, we obviously got an in Interrogators with Sandman, mm. where <laughs> half the answers were, I'll just take both.
0: <laughs> or I don't give a shit, yeah. <laughs>
2: or Raven. <laughs>
0: it's Raven, I don't give a shit, or both.
2: But The interesting one was like Vince Russo, and he's like, never met the guy.
0: Mm. He has no opinion. So, uh, hmm. Which brings us to NWA paper pay-per-view number 34, the last pay-per-view of the month. And um, I don't have much. I think I'm all out. Oh, no, during the AJ-Sandman match, there was a moment where AJ had a trash can and he was on the floor. <laughs> and he just hurled the trash can from the floor and perfectly hit Sandman in the head.
2: <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I also saw this and I mean, the thing I thought of immediately was like, does Sandman have any leg to stand on to, like, be like, hey, fuck you, AJ, backstage, because he's the Sandman, and <laughs> it's just kind of accepted that this will happen. And, like, the most remarkable part of it is that, like, he, like, Sandman isn't, like,
0: his sand is sitting upward, he's kind of hunched over with his head kind of protected by his shoulders, but AJ still somehow clears the shoulders to hit him right in the head. It's so good.
2: An athlete. A true athlete.
0: There's a moment during the Whovi, uh jerry Lynn match where Mike Taney mentions that Whovi was his former broadcast colleague in WCW. <laughs> and Don West responds by like saying, You know what,
2: Mike? Based on what I know from WCW, i believe anything. <laughs> I love Don West not knowing shit about wrestling.
0: It's so good. He's so sincere and wholesome and naive.
2: <laughs> oh, and Cody! Cody is canon! Cody is
0: canon. You didn't hear the mention of Cody? I didn't hear the mention of Cody. During the, the tag team main event, the Vader and Dusty against Harris Bros match, Mike Today on Commentary mentions how a young Cody Reynolds is undefeated in his high school Georgia school. Wow. He's like 20-something and 0 or something. So, Cody Reynolds mentioned here in 2003
2: TNA. He'll be uh, back soon to beat up Moose.
0: Yes, we will talk about uh, Cody Ronalds, just we'll, t- we'll talk about Robbie in the future.
2: I, I just felt like a shudder of like grossness go down my spine when thinking about having to one day talk about the Cody Rhodes era of TNA.
0: The GFW era, baby.
2: Uh, <laughs>
0: Listen, if we somehow get that far, if we're not dead by the time we get to the GFW stuff... <laughs>
2: In the third pandemic.
0: Because that will legitimately be, like, eight years into this podcast's yes. life. So 2030. Oh, God. Oh, now did you put it
2: like that? Oh! <laughs> I hope we don't make it that far. <laughs> Wait, to be fair, we have the out when the name has changed from TNA to Impact. So Bound for Glory 2016 is when we'll kind of end it? That's our, that's our out, yeah. Because it's,
0: it's TNA all the way up until it's GFW which is summer of 2017. So actually, no, technically, we'll still have to cover the Cody stuff. Damn it. Because in theory, we can go all the way up until the Bruce Pritchard promo where he says TNA is dead, <laughs> which will be the official ending of this podcast.
2: And you know what? You know, what the thing is, though? I'd say uh, at that point, you know, it's fair for us to stop. But actually, TNA is probably still going to be around by then. So we'll have like another 13 years. <laughs> This is never ending! Why are we covering a promotion that's still around? By the time I'm in my forties, we'll finally catch up the current day. <laughs> uh, and by current day I you mean now was <laughs> left twenty fucking years. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what a note to end it on you can follow us on twitter at tna history pod you can follow me on twitter <laughs> at Garrett kidney you can follow liam on twitter at the Gleat mood as he cries through the outro if you would like to support the podcast which you should support the podcast we're good people who give you this podcast this is a particularly long episode as well i'm almost losing my voice for two hours into this recording
2: i've lost my mind
0: if you'd like to support us more, you can visit tnachat.com and subscribe on Patreon. We have a $1 tier, $5 tier, and $10 tier where you can get bonus shows. You can get uh, drafts. You can get WCW 97 coverage. All this fun stuff is there. Q&A.
2: Waiting.
0: Oh, yeah. We'll be doing a Q&A over the next two weeks as well. We'll put out a call for questions there probably on our Discord channel, Twitter, and on our
2: Patreon. We'll take questions from everywhere. <laughs> We Because we need to fill it up. <laughs> if we ask it in one place, there's a good chance we don't have enough. Uh, well, you see the, the, the gimmick here, Liam, the trick, is
0: that while we will answer all of our Patreon questions, people will then have to subscribe to hear the, the Twitter questions answered. So it's a galaxy, <laughs> it's a great play, it's marketing. I look forward to reading all the questions that are directed at you. <laughs> So, we'll be doing that Q&A. We'll put out a call for questions sometime in the next few days, probably. So, look forward to that at tnachat.com, where you can subscribe. We'll be back in two weeks for March 2003. We'll be back next week for the second last episode of Monday War Games. Or last? No, second last. Thank God.
2: No, I mean,
0: nah, it's been great. I've had so much fun. 2010 Raw, baby. It's so much fun. So, you can listen to that next weekend. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye.
2: Goodbye. Farewell. Avidas and to you. Sound <laughs> of music rocks.